How's everybody doing out there? We all still alive? Alive and well. The uh, Grim Reaper of Capricorn has not claimed (laughs) us yet. (laughs) Not quite. Hey, hey, hey. We hear Astro Herbalism 3, an ambitious 12-part series where we will be covering off all of the doctrine of signatures, goodness, and magical virtues of the plant kingdom that we've been blessed to be a part of with our resident experts in all things medicinal and herbal and planty, <laughs> Michelle and Kyle, as well as our uh, symbolic astrological aces here, Gabriel and Mario. Gabriel, it's been a while since we had you on a vibrant. You've been doing dad stuff and whatnot. So, you know, I uh, just hope you weren't expecting to be paid for the vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great time. It was a really good time. Uh, my kiddo's getting older, man. She's 13 now. And uh, we had a real like low key visit. Uh, you know, there's not much going on, not much to do with the depths of the winter here. So it was very hibernative. And man, did we connect on some deep, deep levels? You know, she's like at this age where we can have more serious conversations every time. And I didn't even know where things were going to go. But uh, yeah, we had great talks. Uh, and yeah, I feel great. It's like this deep catharsis at finding new levels to yeah connect with my kiddo. So it was a good family trip. That's awesome. Beautiful, well, you've got dude. the floor. Can we make you big and you show off what's you know adorning your torso there? Oh yeah, you ready? All right. So this is Gabriel's. Oh, it's tucked in and everything. Angle interverse on it. Even oh, it even says interverse. So yeah, Gabriel got nice. this from the merch store. Actually, I sent it to him, but it came from the merch store. You can get your very own. With the link I'm about to put in the chat, there's also a yoga mat with this design on it. So pretty cool. Figure yeah. Gabriel needed the green shirt with the big, you know, flowery heart logo decal thing because you know he's all heart. I'll take you off big now. Forgot you were there. Okay, <laughs> and it's got like beautiful uh, Hara, uh, you know, the goddess Hera. It's got her energy to it. With the green reminds me of the peacock, which is a you know a Hera symbol. And then I was thinking about how much, how watermelon-like it is as well. You know, it's got watermelon, mm. pink, with the green on the exterior. And then I'm thinking about how much watermelon is almost symbolic of Hera, because all the seeds are like the hundreds of eyes on Argus, who she turned into uh, into the peacock. Harry. Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Hera is an interesting goddess. I think very related to um, the female aspect of like the Buddha character. Hari Krishna. Hari means savior. You know, Hera, please. There's all that. But I want to introduce the other members here. We First of all, I want to say what's up to Kyle. We had an awesome tuning session last week and uh, it looks like you're coalescing nicely. Can you tell us where you're at right now? And, you know, how's it going for you? Hey, what's up, y'all? Nice to be here. Um, pardon me as I rebuild my throat chakra. Um, Chance really gave me a nice tuning and uh, a lot of, um, actually, yeah, Michelle and I were both kind of chatting in the 
text and stuff like that, talking about how impactful both your session with, um, you know, the group session that you, that you offered on Michelle's healing home podcast last week. And, uh, that's really where my journey began. Um, I, right now I'm, I'm overseas. I'm in Italy right now and it's, uh, it's flow state o'clock in the morning <laughs> and uh, like what? 4 a.m. What is it? It's uh, it's three actually. It's almost three thirty-three. Wow. And uh, so thanks for being here with us despite oh, the man. hour. I love it. It's my, it's definitely totally and like I'm not working right now. So I guess my point is, is that I negotiated um, really e- easily with my body and just said, you know, because I I'm physically extracted from, my duties back home that I can just uh, lean into and let go as much as I need to and really a- allow the the healing to occur. And so the, with the group session, I started, I felt like that initiated that. And then a couple of days later, we had a, my wife, Serena bought me a, a Christmas gift of a, of a tuning session, which I thought was an excellent gift. If anybody has an um, uh, interest in doing something like that, it was awesome. And, um, and so, yeah, and then we went with the full package with the, both the tuning and the, um, you know, I Ching Oracle, uh, reading. And it was, it was fantastic. And we had, I had fun. I had fun. And I really felt like it. I think that's something people might not realize is that it's actually super fun. It's not like all, Oh, we must be holy. Like we have a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> there, there was a part where it really cracked me up. If you don't mind, I'll share. There was a, first of all, I just want to give you props chance. You are, you are such a pro man. You are very professional. Um, and I know that you, you offer a lot of uh, encouragement to other people to, to learn this modality, but, um, and I don't want to uh, diminish the preparation and this and all of the work that you put in on the back end to yourself so that you could be in a flow state. But I think that you have a really, you, you are, you have been gifted and the gift that the creator gave to this realm, uh, for, for us to learn these things, um, and to have some, some group healing and personal healing through you. So I really appreciate, appreciate that. And I just wanted to acknowledge that it was, it was very deep. It was very good. I felt, um, there was a point, in the session, uh, a really funny point where uh, you're working on my third eye and we, uh, there was, you, you recognized that there was some anxiety and clutter really close to my third, to my uh, biofield, like really close as if to say that, like, I'm seeing the world through this, like, um, to do list all, always. And so you, you kind of came up with a metaphor. They're like, imagine that you're looking through a window and you're like, you're recognizing. Yeah. Uh, you also recognized right away exactly what it was, which I thought was brilliant too, which was this uh, feeling, this anxiety of like uh, where I live, which has, which, you know, there's, there's a lot of in my mind about preparing to change my settings and stuff like that. And, and anyway, um, you're like, now just imagine you're looking out a window and you know, you're, you're looking at your backyard, you're looking at your home and you see on the window, there's a post-it note and the post-it note says, 
um, get out of here now because what you're seeing really is an obstruction uh, of like as, as as we look through the world we're as as you know looking through these windows where there is a limited amount of information when we put all of this little post-it notes that we have to filter through ourselves so so if you would Kyle just imagine you're looking through and go up to the window and take that post-it note off and so I did and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, wow, yeah, this is in, in my in my meditation. I'm like, this is my yard. This is my home. And then I and then I take a step back, and I'm kind of fin- completing that that vision. And all of a sudden, I look at the window, and I'm like, what the? There's another effing post-it note there. <laughs> and as soon as that kind of occurred to me, like momentarily afterwards, he said, is there another post-it note? <laughs> <laughs> how did this damn post note get here? And what, what's on this one? I thought I cleared it off. And you were able to assess right away. Uh, is that, does it have something to do with, you know, your to-do list of things that you need to do when you get back from where you are, which is, you know, I'm, I'm away for extended a period of time. And I was, I was, yeah, that that's, that's it. And it was hilarious because, because, <laughs> I was like, you know, it was funny to me to recognize this post-it note and to be in this vision. And then you were, it was like, you were right there with me and we were just laughing about that. And it was great to laugh about something like that, anxieties and troubles and traumas and be in a fun way because um, laughter is the best medicine and being, being able to laugh about things and just see them as they come up and let them go and, you know, crumple them up and throw them behind and stuff like that. It, it was very healing. So I definitely feel like what I'm experiencing right now um, as a, you know, as a body is kind of, um, I, and I don't think that this is the case for anyone, anyone, but I really set the intention with my body that I can let go. Let me just I can accept healing at the deepest level. So let me uh, let my body allow itself to rest and to detox whatever is going on. And so I felt things moving, moving, moving down. And uh, right now I feel like I'm, I'm building up my new throat chakra. I'm trying to get my, my um, physical body in, in line with the tuning that you offered. And it was brilliant. It was really brilliant. And I'm excited to, uh, and I also, one of the other things I wanted to mention too, is that I had mentioned a chance uh, as we started that I was interested in learning a little bit about um, his approach, because that's something that I want to, uh, wanted to be able to offer. And, um, as a, as a real, um, you know, person that's, that recognizes the gifts of the, of the creator chance batted no eye and, and hesitated at all to show me some of the nitty gritty details of what he's doing. And I thought that was really cool. And, um, that's why I really like this show in, in general, because I think that we all have these, these ways of, you know, not only, uh, uh, finding, uh, methods of, putting things together and um, having our own style, but also sharing them freely. And um, as a result, what we get uh, in return is, is more and more abundance. And so that was, that was very well demonstrated through your professionalism and your, your, and and just the way that you, you constantly hold yourself. So knowing you uh, having known you um, meeting you in person, you, you, you hold yourself in these ways. And I really, really appreciate you as a healer and as a friend. And thank you, Chance, for 
for that. It was really epic. And uh, I would highly recommend it for anybody who's on the fence thinking about it. And it's especially a great present. I nudged my wife. I told her, I said, hey, I'm interested in this. If you're looking for a present for me, if you think I deserve it. So <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you, Chance. Wow. That was one of maybe the greatest endorsements I've ever had anybody give on the air. So I appreciate that a lot. We had an awesome session and we actually left off at the level of like throat heart region for you. So the fact that you're like continuing the process, building off of what we did and your throat chakra is coming through really loud and clear, strong, well communicated. And it's just sort of the, uh, you know, the rooting and foundation of it. You're also at, it's like three in the morning for you. So <laughs> your voice is doing great. And since we're on the sub subject of tuning, I know Rachel in the chat was like, I thought we were talking about herbs. We'll get there, but <laughs> I want to just throw out there too, that there's a lot of people have been getting sessions for themselves and their significant other. And it turns out that it's a really good process to help with interpersonal relationships. Say you're having some unnecessary friction in your marriage and uh, you'd like to maybe resolve that in a way that is not like they're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. <laughs> like so much of, you know, the attempt to resolve that can be, you know, it's really more just about working on your own sensitivities and uh, being sensitive to actual reality rather than sensitive to stuck energy that's from the past. That's not even here anymore. Right. So a lot of people have been coming to me for that. One of the one in particular, their spouse was like, uh, he said, my, my girlfriend or my spouse, she was very skeptical about what you do. But after I had my session, she said the extreme psychological uh, improvement and change in me made her a believer. And now she wants to do it too. <laughs> I was like, that's great. So uh, and then over on the Rockfin side, Laura says, I had a biofield tuning with an Eileen, with an Eileen certified practitioner. So from the biofield tuning store, after watching Chance, she had been doing it for three years. I had my third one just this morning. If you do what she does, you forkers are our fortifiers. Healers. Yes. What a gift. <laughs> I really like the way you put that. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even have to come from me. I go get, go check out the uh, list of practitioners at the biofield tuning store website. I just want people to do, you know, what they can to balance their energy field and get their health in order. But I, we've been on, on this for a while. Thank you for humoring us and letting us talk about <laughs> tuning. I try not to overly do it on the podcast, but it does help to remind people now and then that it's a thing and it's great. <laughs> and yeah, I really I want everyone know. to learn how to do it, honestly, more than I want to be the one that does it. I want, I want to make a note. It makes me think of how it's better to have received tarot cards as a gift. They say, don't buy your tarot cards. It's better to have them gifted to you. And that's what this makes me think of. It's like, uh, you know, Kyle had this gifted to him. And so from the get go, he's already in the position to be a receiver. He's re he's receptive. And so it kind of it almost makes a purity to the whole process. I just wanted to make that note. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel the same way about Chance doing the group healing on my show because it was kind of like he just threw it out there as an option. And I had I hadn't thought about it. And then 
when we were doing it and as he showed his setup and everything else, it was just a really great insight for people who are on the fence or curious, just to even see like, what does it look like when he sets this up? You know, what, what can we expect on the other side? And because Kyle and I kind of talked about this, I mean, I had a lot of movement after our, just our group session. So it does make me want to have like a personal one-on-one session with you because uh, yeah, there was stuff that came up. I mean, Mario and I had a great conversation that evening, you know, that and I was able to express some things that I kind of almost knew I was holding on to, didn't know. But I swear that sound healing like broke up some things for me and I was able to release stuff. And then this past full moon, I really focused on the releasing of those specific energies. And I really do feel like I was able to do some really, really deep healing on that level of release and feeling just more at peace with those subjects that came up for us. So it was just really great. So all those sentiments, I uh, second that. I'm very grateful. Um, and uh, I think that you probably did a lot of good for all the people that were listening that night as well. And it is still good to go back and check that out. So if you didn't totally. hear my uh, interview on Michelle's Healing Home, you can listen to the whole thing or jump to the end where we do the tuning. It's awesome. Yeah, the last thing I'll say before we jump into the herbs of Capricorn is I had uh, feedback from a recent client that was really stupendous of a man who had been uh, on prescription opiates for almost 20 years, maybe, maybe 20 years. And he sent me an, I I wasn't expecting it, but out of the blue, he sent me a tip that was quite large and he's like opiate free for two weeks. And I was like, wow. (laughs) So he, I'm not saying the tuning did that. I'm saying that he was doing the work for himself in a variety of ways and the tuning supported him you know, holding up his end of the deal to decide to get off the opiates. And that's how I would, that's the kibosh on the conversation here is that y'all, if you're ready to do the work, if you are doing the work and you want a little support over the hump of something that's tough, uh, tuning is great for that. Or really there's nothing it isn't good for even just to explore. Never know (laughs) what life might be like with a little more of your total energy return to you. But yeah, guys, let's, uh, Wow, Martin on Rockfin says, I still practice my chance mantras from my tuning session with him from about a year and a half ago. That's awesome. Nice. Big love, love Martin. Cool. Okay, so we're getting into the uh, herbs of Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Totally. Take us away, somebody. <laughs> All right, Kyle, would you like to start or shall I? Sure. sure. Oh. All right. I might as well. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to wish Michelle a happy birthday. Oh, shucks. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? When is it? It's actually Friday. Uh, happy On birthday, the 13th. Michelle. Yes. Thank you. Um, or solar return or um, as um, I love this, this rhetoric that James from Family Fungi uses. Happy a day of emergence. Ah, I like that. That's nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Kyle. I appreciate that. As I vote as well. Um, so Capricorn, uh, Capricorn season, um, tropically we're in it, uh, sidereally we're looking, uh, to come upon it. And so regardless of, you know, if we're, um, looking at the sky clock to, um, determine where, you know, what the season is, or if we're looking at this, the seat, the seasons through the cardinal directions in more of a tropical way, we, we have these archetypical energies that manifest through 
the plants and um, or manifest th- through through the through the, st- the everything and into the plants. Um, they they have these archetypical qualities um, ruled by Saturn and uh, Capricorn is uh, an Earth sign. It's the cardinal Earth sign. It's the first one. Um, if we're looking through the medical astrology aspect of it, it's the knees and also the bones, the skin, the teeth, all of these structuring kind of qualities. And uh, the, the corresponding tarot um, here on the left side is the rider weight. And the right side is the Thoth deck, um, Crowley's deck, also also called Trump's. And I'm starting to become really a big fan of this Crowley deck because I see a lot of the, I'm going to bring your attention to the the color scale of a lot of these cards. I'm starting to see as I'm making these slides and really paying attention to the herbs and really putting myself into this state of mind, preparing myself for these uh, shows that a lot of these color scales are what I find with what I would cor- I had previously picked or corresponded with. And so it's kind of affirming a lot of the, the plants in, in a way. And so I really uh, appreciate that about whatever divinity we got there. Um, of course, there's, a, there's always with the, the Crowley, there's always some very ex- explicit, you know, phallic kind of stuff too. <laughs> it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, I really, and then another thing that came to mind that I just wanted to point out was, um, the uh, spiraling horns of this goat and on Michelle's uh, podcast yesterday, LC King made a brilliant co- comment that was the, that Capricorn um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not word for word, but something about Capricorn um, encodes the uh, spiral, the spiral, the phi aspect along with the Vesca Pisces because the bottom portion of the, of the Capricorn is the, is the sea. And so it's um, almost symbolic that um, the nature is born from geometry. I, and I loved that. That was really, really insightful. And I, I see that a lot with the um, cardinal earth, you know, it's like the beginning of, ma- of material um, coming from geometry. It made a lot of sense to me. And uh, immediately when I read that, I thought of the, the horns, pictured in um, this card. And so that's about it. Uh, as far as what I could say on these cards and Capricorn season, definitely we're going to get into it a lot more, but uh, I'll, I'll step back and let the panel say what they want to say. You know, I'm thinking about like this association of Capricorn with the devil. And I wonder, so I, I've been looking a lot at the, uh, procession, you know, theoretically that there was a procession, if that's true, and how, you know, like in India, for example, at the time when the solar equal, like the uh, vernal equinox time shifted from the sun being in Taurus to in Aries, you had the shift from Buddhism to Krishna being the savior motif. And you know, even Jupiter had like a bull head before he got the ram, uh, head, you know, ram horns. So at the point, like in India, for example, when the uh, Buddhists were the old thing <laughs> and the Krishnaists were the new thing, they, they really were at odds with each other over that. And so I wonder if maybe the 
making of the goat, which is related to the ram, into the devil. Like the pan, I had, I was gifted a tarot for Christmas. It's a herbal deck, herbal tarot. And instead of the devil, they have pan. And so I wonder if maybe there's something going on there that the processional age shift to Pisces and Jesus being the new guy that now the, the previous guy, he's the bad guy. You know, we're not doing the, the goat thing anymore. We're doing the, the two fishes and a loaf of bread <laughs> thing. So anyway, um, who else wants to take it away? Yeah, that's an interesting thought for sure. Um, the thing I've been thinking about with the Rider Waite deck, and I've pointed this out in videos before, but I think it's really interesting and I can't not see it when I see this card uh, on the left here. But there is a downward momentum being emphasized in multiple ways. So the uh, inverted pentagram is pointed downward. That's the whole entire thing is the point is moving towards the ground, uh, right towards Earth itself. His beard and uh, ears also makes a downward arrow. You know, his hand gesture, there's arguably a downward arrow going on with that. And then even his legs, the way he's squatting, it's another downward arrow. And so the movement is going down. And so it's symbolic of the earth. And uh, I also think it's interesting that Crowley chose to kind of show almost an opposing energy in a way. Um, and that the figures in the symbolic testicles of the phallus they're trying to move upward and then the phallus itself is moving upward and you'll notice obviously that the phallus is going through the rings of saturn and that in front of the goat as well there's the pole and so there's something to be said about uh, saturn potentially being the original pole star or being related to the axis mundi um and so i think that's kind of being emphasized there but i just wanted to mention this downward uh sort of motion um, you know, aesthetically, it's really interesting. And then also the uh, earth glyph is a, a downward arrow with the line through it. And so everything just kind of implies this downward uh, movement, uh, very much related to earth, right? You know, what's funny about that is Kyle and I, when we did that tuning session, he also had a divination session afterwards. And I included a mudra in there. And the mudra was the uh, Apana mudra. It looks like that. And this is sort of like your class, very much like the classic devil horns. <laughs> and it means like this mudra is about the downward moving force. It's about expelling things that don't, you know, releasing things, if you will, through that downward moving force, through the feet, grounding it into the earth and et cetera. So, you know, this is the, also <laughs> the devil, <laughs> but it's got that same. So what you picked up on there is very interesting and astute, Mario, that it is about that you know, driving into the earth type of energy. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just say, I wonder too, if the original devil horns were actually bull horns, uh, there's a lot to be said about that. And then also um, if a lot of underworld uh, sort of deities way back in the day, uh, a devilish figure, if you will, uh, if they actually existed underwater, not necessarily under earth. And so the devil and then Capricorn, the sea goat being associated with the devil I wonder if it has something to do with that, that, you know, a lot of sea monsters and a lot of monsters from back in the day, the adversary, if you will, actually was an oceanic watery creature, not necessarily under the earth, but maybe that's kind of a later rendition or something. The opposing sign to being cancer, having a lot to do with that, uh, that dynamic between the water and structure. And so I was thinking about this in a dream, the structuring water of how Capricorn and uh, Cancer have that uh, 
to me, I'm starting to see a lot about cancer. I think about cancer as being kind of like a bubbling brook rising to the surface of the earth. So where that water comes out and it's a bubbling brook, it's a spring. A lot of times people think of that as like some of the most highly structured water. And that's at like the point zero of uh, of the earth, right? And I and I just thought that was very fascinating. Actually, it made me uh, think a lot about Topher and struck the the work that he does with structuring water as well. And uh, I just had it was it was a really interesting insight that I had in the dream. Nice, nice. I like it. There's so much to be said about Cancer and Capricorn as well, but uh, we can move on <laughs> if we want, or uh, give it to Michelle or Slick. Yeah, if either of you want to weigh in before we take it into some herbs. Um, I guess I don't have anything like super specific other than um, I just love this time of year. You're the Capricorn. <laughs> no, I am. I mean, in terms of like, I've, like you know, I, I could stretch and try and think of something quick on my feet or something, but nothing is like really mm-hmm. totally coming. Um, I do, though, like the depiction of Pan in place of the devil. I mean, I think that they have like the same energy, a lot of the same energy, because I also like the thought of um, Capricorn kind of having like that trickster energy as well. A lot of times Capricorn and Capricorns get a bad rap for being very serious or very dark or whatever. But I always kind of look at it, too, is like there is like this underlying trickster kind of like merriment thing going on. And I think that we talked about this yesterday, but kind of like... um the energy of the forest uh, and like the devil kind of having like rulership over that type of energy. And there's a mischievous energy to the forest, you know Uh, it can bring you joy and it can bring you pain all at the same, in the same breath, almost, you know, just like so many things in life. But that is one of the things that I uh, really enjoy about um, the energy of, of Capricorn and the devil and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Yanua. January, Janice, yeah. Two Face God. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, uh, birthday. <laughs> he was definitely a trickster archetype. So a, f- a few things come to my mind. Uh, it's hard to pick which ones to talk about, but <laughs> um, for one, breaking bread. Uh, you know, we just got through with the feast seasons. You know, um, and then also the seasonal immune response season uh, is comes to mind but oh, breaking bread as in pan right the bread of pan uh pan means bread i think of cornucopia cornucopia is basically a anagram you can you know close enough to capricorn it's all in there it's all the abundance and a cornucopia has that spiral like we were talking about the sacred geometry and the phi and the pi but there's a sacred spiral at the tip of the cornucopia Cornu. Like mm-hmm. cough, rash, none, K-R-N, right. can refer to radiance, like light. It can refer to a horn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a lot of and, meanings to that. Yes, and uh, one kind of fun little weave on the cornucopia and being at the bottom, the, the bottom of the year with the, uh, just going through the winter solstice that we did. It also corresponds uh, with uh, navigational and nautical tradition. Um, we go around the horn of Africa. You have to go around the horn of South America when you're tra- traveling in trade routes. So all of these pronounce, uh, which are literally shaped like a cornucopia, like a little wedge at the bottom of all these peninsulas, 
And so in non, you know, nautically speaking, those peninsulas become bread baskets of exchange, you know, points where people will stop and buy and sell and trade goods before they commence the, uh, before they finish their journey. Uh, so in a really fun way, even nautically, the cornucopia and the tip of these uh, trade centers are like, okay, you're almost there. Now here's one little more boost before you uh, forge through the rest of the winter. And like you said, it is an earth element and the season of winter is dominated by the diamonds or the pentacles or the, you know, the, it's overall, it's an earth time of year going I inside. Yeah, Let that's me throw great. another one at you too. The uh, So horn and corn really are philologically the same word as C becomes K or becomes CH or just drops and becomes the H like ch k ch and then just the H aspirate. So corn, horn, same thing. And then uh, <laughs> churn. So what did the waters do? They churn, churn corn. But churn as a word actually etymologically used to mean the edible substance in a nut or the stone of a fruit. So relating back to seed, which is what corn or kernel comes from too. So the churning waters are also the corn, uh, the cornucopia the horn, the fruit. It's That's interesting. right. Exactly. And corn used to be a general term for grain. And so um, corn being just kind of like, it was symbolic of just all grains. People used to call it that, you know, um, that's my understanding at least. And then um, with harvest season, you know, you're dealing with the scythe, which is very much a symbol of Saturn father time. Um, and so you have that as well. And then the churning reminds me of the churning of a mill. You know, and so this is an old metaphor for the churning of the cosmos, Hamlet's Mill, some people have called it. And so there's a famous book called Hamlet's Mill, and it has to do with the uh, turning of uh, of the heavens. And so it used to be likened to this mill. So I think that's well, really even like the Buddhic Dharma wheel reminds yeah. you of uh, a water wheel of, you know, on the river. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, um, storing grains and all of that was really important during this time of year. You know, it's what got you through uh, these tough times. So there's that as well. Cool. All kinds of fun symbolism before we even really get into it. So the first Capricornian plant we're going to look at is Solomon's seal. Polygonon. Polygonatum multiflorum, a.k.a. Hi, John, the Conqueror. Interesting name for the a.k.a. Yeah, that's a that's a name that's known in like um, the hoodoo voodoo circles. And that name also can refer to Marigold, um, which also has a, a lot of Saturnian qualities and even the color, the colors appropriation. I think that the background that you have here is also really appropriate to the color scale that we see in a lot of these plants. Like, for example, if this, if those flowers on that uh, plant were to turn into berries, they would be dark, dark blue in a shade that you could pick out from the background right there. And um, so a lot of great uh, visual signatures right here. Looks like bones. Looks like somebody just dug up a, what is this, skeleton? that you just dug up here. Oh, it's uh, it's a plant. It's the rhizome of this plant. It's a root. And um, of course, just looking at this, if you, even if you're a novice to the discerning of the uh, doctrine of signatures, you can easily see, wow, that looks like uh, bones. It looks like intestines. 
Um, looks like a lot of things. When you cut up a, a Solomon seal and you um, taste it, you would find that it is really sweet and demulcent and nourishing. And so these are flavors that are also um, important for our earthy signs because they, this is substance, basically. It tastes potatoy. It tastes starchy. Um, and it's got a demulcent mucilaginous quality that will help cool off. Um, mucilaginous? Muc- is yeah, that mucilaginous. related to mucus? Exactly. That's what I need right now. I'm going to take some of my swig of my mucilaginous marshmallow drink. But it's a, it's a, it's a quality. And so when we're learning about, if you want to learn about plants on a foundational level and you could talk, we could learn about their, um, the way that we, they present to our senses. And one of those foundational qualities would be mucilaginous or demulcent. And is it, in other words, is it slippery? Is it, uh, does it, feel like moistening to the mouth or to the to your hands or something like that and this plant does for sure another quality you see um in the so like slimy plants you could probably assume have this quality of being good for your mucus movement exactly also that 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 in itself is a uh a way of discerning that so if it's slimy it's good for your mucus in other words and if it's sweet it's good for your uh, it's it's building to the mucus producing qualities. So there's uh, demulcent plants that are that are slimy, and there's demulcent plants that are sweet, like licorice. And this plant has both. That's sweet and demulcent. So it's not only is it helpful for you know a dry, scratchy throat or or um, dryness in your lungs or something like that, but it's also uh, beneficial for that which produces the mucilage as well and, and constitutionally. So for people who, in other words, are dry people like myself, uh, people who have that Vata kind of constitution. Um, and then you see a lot of um, the signature of rhythm with these flowers. There's a heartbeat there, bump, 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 bump with the flowers. Um, and so this is a sign that it's also uh, moistening to the pericardium, to the rhythm of the heart. There's this a lot of cancer polarity with this plant, with the structure that it helps with uh, healing the bones. But one of the ways that it really helps healing bones is through the way that the bone sets in along with the joint. So in the uh, synovial membranes and the synovial fluid, if the bone is lined up properly. So there's, this is like where cancer meets uh, Capricorn in a lot of ways. Um, the the hard parts of our body and the, the very uh, structured, watered parts of our body in a, in a joint setting. And um, this is a magic plant. It's got a lot of history of magic. This is why it's called High John the Conqueror in the voodoo circles. Solomon's the, seal is about as magic of a name as you can get. Yeah, of course. And that refers to um, a, if you make a cross section of the where the where the plant the, emerges from the rhizome. Sometimes there's a, uh, the, the actual, you know, six pointed star. Sometimes you see the, the sixth seal of Solomon, which is like a circle with a, with a bunch of like inscriptions around it. It's very cool. It's actually, uh, to me, I find it a way of divining by looking at, um, that cross section. Cause I, I like to harvest this plant myself. I grow it. It's uh, it's a great plant to grow in the garden. You see signatures of how the leaves connect to the bones right there. The, the, the way that they, they look like uh, muscle tissue connecting to the bones. There's a lot of um, signatures of connection. Um, and um, this plant has been 
like, for example, Geronimo has been said to uh, use an amulet of this plant to avoid being seen. So there's a lot of um, uh, invisibility spells with this plant. Um, I think that's really interesting and cool. Uh, High John the Conqueror was uh, the the mythological uh, personification of somebody who was able to like uh, leave slavery and be be avoided when trying to be found by the dogs and stuff like that. Or also, um, you know, it was it was that's what they would call um, this plant because it was it had a lot of aspects of invisibility. Um, and turning, I would say like changing the relationship between, uh, the predator and prey aspect. Um, and in my own experience, like when I'm working with this plant, um, going out into the woods at one point and finding a, a stand that I tended for many years and digging it up and getting a clear signal at one point, um, in the, in my subconscious, um, that the way the plants speak to me that like, that's enough. Like that's enough. We, you can't dig anymore. And, and disregarding that and being like, Oh, I just need a little bit more. Cause I love this plant and I use it so much. <laughs> it's so many of my recipes and taking another one. And then later, later that day, I had a, a deer tick, the, the lime tick bite right on the top of my head. And I had to go through all that stuff. And I knew, I knew it right away that there was this uh, changing between it being the prey and uh, me becoming the prey. And I think that there's a lot to, I, I know that this is a very uh, magical plant for working with that, that aspect of prey predator relationship too, but it's just a, a wonderful plant. I, I, I think it's one of the best healers of the, of the joints and of uh, uh, the bones. And I think it's, uh, fantastic for any anything that has uh, old injuries or even just like uh, uh, working again with your rhythm and the magic uh, as, aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a great plant. Um, it grows really well around us, actually. Um, it grows on the mountain and then it grows in the surrounding areas. Um, and I've found it really helpful for um, helping heal the spine uh, personally. Um, yeah, I this kind of looks like the spine up here. Yeah, it sort of does. And I was actually uh, given some a handful of years ago after I got into a bike uh, bicycle accident. Um, and I like applied it topically as a tincture to my neck um, and then like down into my spine and then took it orally as well. And I mean, it really, I know it helped because, um, I, I, I healed quite rapidly and, um, I really do lend a lot of credit to Solomon seal for that. Um, and then also one of the things I just learned about this plant just this week, um, is that I know it can be used in magic, uh, for good luck. And so one of the things I learned about it was that like people who go and gamble will literally make a wash using the root they'll like make a decoction and then they'll wash their hands before they go and play cards or they go doing whatever they're trying to do to attract money. And that's one of the, I guess, folklore things uh, that I found in one of the, um, it's like an old witchcraft spell book that a Ooh. friend of mine gave me and I was reading through it and high John the Conqueror was listed as a good luck charm for wow. attracting that's very, money. <laughs> that's very interesting. That makes me think of, um, the requirement for clean hands in order to enter into equity. 
Ah, interesting. All right. And they are, and it's clearly, uh, which is symbolized by white gloves in Masonic practices. So it's just very interesting that it has that white kind of finger-like feature. That's, That's pretty cool. Excellent. This would be a really good plant for like the high performance athlete that is pushing their athletics, you know, further into their age than maybe some people do. Like I'm thinking of Martin playing rugby. Definitely. (laughs) He asks how to prepare. Hi, John. I heard the word decoction, but I only know that word from playing the Witcher three. And the, um, the root infused into an oil and applying it topically, you can, if you make a tincture or make a drink with it as a tea, um, it's, uh, it's in my area, it's not super abundant. So I can get a lot more out of it if I make a, a tincture or a, uh, oil inf- infusion, but it works like very, very quickly. It's in fact, it's the main ingredient in my healings, uh, joint healing salve. And I have so many testimonials about um, about that. So I really like the way that it works topically. Um, and if you work, if you if if I um, take it orally as a tincture, I'm, uh, I think I get a lot more of the constitutional moistening quality. Whereas if you want, if you're thinking about a spot, your knee, your elbow, your hand, your spine, um, I like working topically in that particular with this plant. You know, I, I want. Oh, go, oh, go ahead. ahead, Michelle. Oh, I just I have a question for Kyle, because um, I know that there's also a false uh, Solomon seal. Yeah. So um, can it be used interchangeably? Yeah. The, uh, yes, I think so. OK. Um, or Solomon's plume, as I call it, too, um, the, the false Solomon seal. And it, it looks like that, except the the uh, rhizomes are a little thinner. And um, almost like a signature to say that that's more for like the peripheral smaller bones. And this this one is more for the bigger, uh, bigger bones. But they have they're really closely related. They have similar energetic qualities that you would discern. And um, the only thing that I would say about the false Solomon seal is that it has a little bit of bitterness to it. And so it's been used or it's, you know, called upon for. Um, digestive issues a little bit more than than the Solomon seal. But yeah, I think they work very well interchangeably. So if you're wondering, because in my area, we have a lot more of the of what what is commonly called false Solomon seal. And I like to call Solomon's plume. Uh, that one is more abundant. And I work with that one a lot, too. OK, cool. Uh, I wanted to kind of weave on. You mentioned a, a t- like you had a tick bite and it was good for. Uh, something that occurred to me in preparation for the show, you know, I was, uh, I posted a few things in the vibrant call in line and it, and sure enough, it's right along the lines of what you're doing, Mario, I, you know, with the devil card, but I had, uh, I was looking at the devil card upside down and it looks very much to me like a, like a close up image of a mosquito with its nose in your skin. Hmm. And I was like, that's really fascinating, but it's not really appropriate for the winter time. But then, of course, the card is upside down. So my thoughts go to the other end of the Zodiac up in Cancer in the height of the summer. Bingo. It's perfect for mosquito season, you know. But uh, so then uh, I'm now I'm thinking about and looking up the constellation known as uh, M-U-S-C-A. And it's often depicted as just a fly. Uh, it's musca, which means fly. It's, it's where mosquito gets its name. 
uh, and it's way down in the southern hemisphere near the southern pole star, if you believe in such things. Uh, it's also uh, sometimes called the bee, uh, which is a weird connection, but bees do sting and penetrate. Um, but then I'm thinking of how M-U-S-C-A, you just flip a couple letters and you got mucus. Mm-hmm. And if you ever go down to, you know, Antarctica, you're going to be a lot of mucus going on. So I just thought I'd throw all that out because, again, you know, it plays right into that seasonal immune response in all ways. It's so fun. Awesome, Gabe. You know, there's some devil cards that actually have a fly on it prominently. There's one devil card that has the pentagram on the devil's head, but right in the middle is a fly. And so that's too cool. So that's probably. Good. It would be like Be- Beelzebub. That's what I was going to say next. Nice. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. You got it. Um, the one thing I wanted to add about Solomon's seal is when I was reading about King Solomon, my understanding is that the seal is uh, a design um, that was on the ring that was given to him to control the 72 goetic demons to, this is to actually. 72. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, so he was able to gain control over these demons and that's how he created Solomon's temple. So he would ask these demons, Hey, what are you good at? And one demon says, I can love objects. And so, you know, he says, okay, well, you know, go build these pillars or do whatever, you know? So he interviewed these 72 demons to construct Solomon's temple. But I personally believe it's all a metaphor. I don't think Solomon's temple actually existed uh, or King Solomon himself. He's not a historical figure. That's my understanding, but that's another topic. But I just wanted to mention that Solomon's seal being the ring that he received. And I've read more than one version. Sometimes it's a, a pentacle, a five pointed star. Sometimes it's the six pointed star. Sometimes it's something else, but that is very intriguing. I want to learn more about um, that correspondence with this plant. I just got to say, how dare you question mosaic history? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the only reason Herodotus didn't write about Solomon's temple or, you know, Moses parting the Red Sea is because he was trying, they were trying to hide it from us, obviously. <laughs> uh, so I, I've read and listened to the, you know, Sarkozy, Solomon, by the way, what's that? I'm for anyone that's slow. That was sarcasm. <laughs> I know you guys aren't slow. So I got, I'm working on it. Sarcasm is not really good. Shouldn't do it. Uh, anyway. So, so I've, I've read the, you know, the Solomon's interrogation of the demons a couple times. Uh, and there are a lot of really fascinating lessons in there. Um, and one thing that I have to put myself in the, um, the mind of a person who believes the story full, wholeheartedly, right? And one thing that a value, if you are of that mindset, is that they, he actually gives like prescriptions of things you can do. That seem very unreasonable or superstitious, you know, like write the name of your disease on a piece of paper and put it in the mouth of a burnt offering, and then everything becomes better. It, uh, it, it's just interesting that it only works if you would believe it. You know, I think it needs that placebo leap of faith for those things to, uh, to attach. But we still do that today, you know. Uh, when, the, when the doctor puts a RX on a piece of paper, and hands it to you, then you go in retrograde out of his office. He gives you the RX and you walk backwards with your symptoms out of, your, out of the office. The doctor is almost literally giving, writing down, you're, I'm rubber and you're glue. Here's a piece of paper that'll fix you. 
and then you walk backwards out with your symptoms and he is untouched by what you brought in to, to show him. You know what I mean? So it's just fascinating how we still do sigil magic uh, in the name of, you know, mainstream medicine. Uh, to throw in on your Muska weave too. And Mario mentioning that there are <laughs> Mario knows like so many different tarot deck variations, which is awesome. I'd never really thought about the devil card having a fly or flies prominent, but the constellation most commonly associated with the devil is Draco more than Capricorn. Symbolically, that old serpent, the devil, the circumpolar constellation Draco. And then interesting is I never thought about this before, but Muska, the fly, is circumpolar to the South Pole. So, you know, the devil and the fly, <laughs> Draco and uh, Muska. Interesting. Yeah, great point. Well, and there's so many old folk uh, tales and things about the devil being associated with flies. And a lot of herbs, you know, will even protect a home or a place from flies because I think that the devil has that association. So it's probably because of death and flies typically like things that are decaying and they'll eat it or, you know, whatever. Um, and so that's just a little thing that I always think about when I think of flies, anytime I see a fly, I always think, <laughs> I always think of that association. That's, a, that's like a, How did you, sometimes it's like, how did you even get here? I'm pretty yeah. sure you just materialized <laughs> into existence. Yeah. It's like that Matt powers DNA uh, is everywhere is. kind of thing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like, sounds like the kind of thing you would think up while you were on. <laughs> <laughs> while you're yes. getting a buzz. <laughs> uh, just gotta say, who's got the herb? So here we are. We got cannabis, right? What a great transition. Oh my just god. A little 311 for you all, you know, my nice. my little uh 90s throwback. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh yeah, cannabis. Here we are. Glorious cannabis. Uh one of my OG favorite plants to work with, to grow, to commune with um, for so many reasons. Um, and a lot of times cannabis is, so, is uh, associated with Saturn. And uh, from all my research, um, a lot of it has to do with the uh, alchemists of old. So the alchemists really highly regarded cannabis just for, uh, that's right, Nicholas, <laughs> just uh, basically for its, um, its ability to kind of be like this uh, psychoactive journey medicine. You know, um, it can kind of take you to the edges and back. Um, and that is one of the things that they loved about it so much. Um, one of the other things that I always think about with the connection to Saturn is how practical it is, really. Um, it's practical medicine, and then a lot of people know that it's just um, an abundance of many resources. I mean, textiles and rope, paper, fuel, food. There's numerous things that hemp specifically can be turned into, so... When I say cannabis, I'm saying cannabis like THC, CBD cannabis, but also hemp. A lot of times if you look up in, refer in herbal reference books, you'll sometimes see hemp um, listed under Saturn. Um, so it's also related to the alchemical process of putrefaction, um, kind of going back to the whole thing we we're just talking about with the, the deadening tissue or decay. Sometimes, um, you know, Saturn is definitely um, associated with that. Um, but um, 
remedy for arthritis and inflammation. A lot of people know it for that. So then again, we're going back to kind of like the the structure of the body and it being a medicine that can really bring so much soothing and healing to people that are having serious pain when it comes to their bones and their joints. I mean, that's one of the things that I use it for a lot um, for myself and for remedies that I make with it. Um, and then as a person that I, I've grown it for the last handful of years and ever since growing it, my connection has just come, become so much deeper. Um, but when you're in the presence of a cannabis plant that is growing and thriving, there is this deep wisdom that is there in the, in that plant and just sitting with it when it's growing. Um, I've learned so many things and I've gotten so many insights and so much more appreciation for it. Um, they like as, fill the room with an energy. They totally do. It's so real. And it's almost like the air around it is like shimmering. <laughs> it is. It totally is. And when I look at cannabis too, I, you know, I also get like a mercurial vibe from cannabis. I also even get a Martian, um, vibe from it. When you look at the leaves, those jagged, you know, the jagged leaves, the pointy leaves, um, but one of the other things that I come back to with its association with Saturn is like you can see kind of on this. This is a this is a, a photo of ours from last year. Um, so it's in its younger younger flowering stage. So the crystals are starting to form there towards the the flower. But I, I look at the crystals as almost like a protect. There's some sort of protective nature to these crystals too because that's one of the other things that I've noticed with a lot of like the um, the other Saturn plants sometimes they're like very furry and fuzzy um, so they almost have like this like connect this um, this protection that comes from the hairs or the crystals that might be on there nice and yeah. one of the, oh, uh, one of the uh, quotes actually I have from um, now this is a great book if you guys are into cannabis and you're into just like magical herbs in general this is Lieber four twenty yeah okay this is Chris Bennett this is a yeah. tome. like this is a huge book it's it's a great book I actually am not all the way entirely through it just to say that but. From what I've gathered from this book, it's freaking amazing. Um, so I have just a couple, just one quote in particular uh, from the book um, where he talks about this connection. And so from an alchemical perspective, Saturn is is of great importance as it is the border between personal and transpersonal or cosmic powers. And so one of the things he goes into in this book is how, it, you know, cannabis was written about in the Bible. So it has a huge long history. But one of the things that people were doing with the cannabis was actually being able to use it as like in a, um, they would infuse it in oils, and they would anoint themselves. And then they would go into these stupors, where they would like literally sometimes in the recordings of this, people would think that the person was actually dead. And then they would revive from the dead. But it was while they were like on this cannabis trip. So they had this huge interpersonal journey using the cannabis. And, and, and it was like their aid into the, onto the other side. So there's Can a lot. Anubis. You got oh, it. Good one. Yeah. The yep. man. Yeah. And yeah, Anub yeah. Anubis is a perfect correspondence with Saturn. Like if anybody ever checks the Gamatria, it's like it's kind of mesmerizing how how convincing it is. Uh, it also is something we forgot to mention kind of is the, uh, Capricorn, the Tropic of Capricorn, uh, is the southernmost 
tropic, if you will. So a lot of this is uh, draws the energy down to that underworld aspect. Uh, it, that it's downward that, pushing force that Mario pointed out on the cards. Yeah, it's an important theme. Yep. And then the other tropic, obviously, is Tropic of Cancer. Yes. Yep. So yep. there, there you go. Right. Mention that Capricorn does mean goat uh, seed <laughs> or he- seed of the head, which is interesting. So it reminds mm-hmm. me of that alchemical, like you know, bringing what's above to the below and raising what's below up. Nice. You know that downward pushing force. That is an important aspect of sowing a seed. You know, it needs to get in there real good. Yeah, that's and right. Something else I've been thinking about on this one is uh, the devil. The, yo, what up, Gordy? Uh, is how uh, on this, the Rider Waite devil card, you have the feminine side. She has her tail is bearing fruits. In the masculine side, his tail's getting fucking burnt by the devil. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, but if you think about it, the, the ganja plant, it's an open, beautiful, feminine flower in its life cycle. But in the, its demise, the moment that it is spent, the moment that it becomes a, a bacchanalian abundance of appreciation, you have to wrap it up into a phallus and light it on fire. And that's uh, that's the completion of its cycle. That's kind of cool. And additionally, uh, I was also thinking of this too. If you're growing this plant, you learn to identify what you would call the male. Right, you gotta sacrifice the Hermes. That's right. And the the males are the one that you don't want to impregnate and thus create. You know, because you need to have the females to be able to to make that bud abundance, and so you, you eliminate the males or you burn them. Um, And another thing that comes to mind with uh, cannabis and Saturn is, you know, if we were going to make a backdrop of um, bureaucracy, courts, um, you know, the law and put it put it in the Zodiac, we would put it in Capricorn. So we have a plant that on its maybe in its um, uh, grabbled, unnatural side um, still has uh, a lot of um, uh, energy in the arena of the law. You know, the yes. you, it's a big book, right? The big uh, four, Libra four twenty book. If you're found with a with a with a little bit of cannabis, and uh, you know, there's the judge in his Saturnian robe, and uh, mm-hmm. lock you up and throw away the key, just like the devil. Man, yeah. I love that. You got it for sure. You know, and this goes back to that pole or staff uh, in the devil card, the Crowley version, and then the phallus going through the rings of Saturn. I'm pretty convinced now that, you know, a lot of older laws came from the belief that the world axis or world pole is basically um, is what brought order to the universe, kind of like the decoding chaos presentation chance, you know, and so that phallic symbol that world axis or pole was strongly connected to the idea of authority and law and order and everything else. So I just right. thought I would throw that out there. And then also too, Gabe, um, the devil card is, should be studied alongside the lover's card as well, because you have the two figures in the lover's card in the mm-hmm. right away version mm-hmm. and behind each there's a tree and the tree that's behind the woman bears fruit. And there's a serpent in that tree. And then the tree behind the man is on fire. 
<laughs> That's great. That is great. Well, uh, there's a lot of etymo- like philological etymological backing to Mario with, you know, I brought this up a bunch of times, but palace, P-A-L-L-A-S, means wisdom. And it's basically the same word as phallus, which is the mm. pole. Yeah. Another thing I found out that this is a can this is related to cannabis. In Anacalypsis, Higgins claims that the word sofa and Sophia actually can like share a root, a radical, <laughs> because the ruler who was the wise man, the head, you know, the arche, mm-hmm. would lay on this like sofa of rulership. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was like making all his decrees from the sofa. When you're, uh, when you're too high, you know, you need to get you get on the couch. <laughs> I get couch lock. That's beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, SB has kind of brought the word sovereign and the word sofa together for me in a really cool way. So big up to SB because you had the sofa rain, you know, who, he who has command of who can even sit next to them. Um, in, oh, you can easily switch an F to a V between certain languages and dialects too. Sofa, yep. rain, sava, rain. For yes. Sure. And I've been, uh, I, I can't find it. I haven't pinpointed it, but I got a real sneaking suspicion that like Soviet, uh, when you look up the definition of Soviet, they're dancing around admitting that it means sovereign as well. But uh, in one unofficial oh, tarot connection. I, what's Rus, R-U-S, what's that backwards? Sir, sir, Lord and Rock and Tower. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, one of fit unofficial tarot connection to the devil card. I this is my read, uh, and it serves me. I've tested it and it comes back with positive results. It's not in the books, but uh, I, I also have um, the high priestess, I have her in the in Capricorn as well. So it's Capra. She's like the ascended aspect. And then the devil card is like underneath her. And she has the Torah scroll in her lap. And that's like, you know, roll it up. <laughs> she's got the Torah scroll. So uh, I think it was uh, the golden child with Eddie Murphy when he when he meets the girl from Tibet and she pulls out a scroll and he's like, you girl, put that away. You got a blonde here in the hood. You're going to get jacked. <laughs> Yeah, another thing I'll say about cannabis before we maybe move forward and or maybe there's more commentary about it. But as this uh, Anubis stand in, if you will, my experience with it in my bit more experimental and wild (laughs) days, I found that, you know, whenever you have a high tolerance for cannabis, it actually becomes a grounding agent for you. Which is interesting. And so it's all about your relationship to it. But whenever you have like a low tolerance or you've developed uh, more sensitivity energetically through keeping more of your own energy in your own battery, like the metaphor I use for cannabis is I think that uh, it's almost like if you have like a really inflated balloon where a lot of energy is like pushing at your boundaries and you're really full, that it's almost like popping, maybe not popping, but like putting a hole in it. So that you're like that wee feeling of being stoned is I think some of that uh, energy now <sighs> deflating out. And it's kind of like, you know, I'd liken that to 
life is like shoots and ladders. You climbing ladders or you're going down slides and the going down the slides part would be the of the energy letting out of your vessel. But uh, I wouldn't say that it's always necessarily like that. It's, this is just a metaphor. I'm not saying it's literal or to be like worried that you're leaking a ton of energy if you ever engage with using cannabis. However, maybe like chronic and abusive relationship could put some holes in your aura that will need uh, to be worked on <laughs> later. But anyway, back to my like experimental days, I, I noticed that whenever you would do psilocybin, and be like way up there. If you were like too, tripping too hard on a more intense psychoactive like psilocybin mushrooms, the cannabis would actually bring you down <laughs> a few notches. So uh, there's something interesting about it as this regulator that it's almost like it has a fixed frequency range that it can pull you up to or drag you down to depending on what side of it you're on on the frequency spectrum. Yeah, those are great points. Uh, yeah, because I do, I find it to be very grounding. And one of the, the you know, that's funny with the mushroom thing, because one of the things I've found is when taking psilocybin mushrooms and then you, you're wanting to almost get like a little boost, like have the uh, trippy feeling kind of intensify for a moment. I've always found that smoking cannabis actually like boosts it. At least that's been my experience. Smoke, <laughs> like and then I was like, oh, you like get that. a little bit more of a, like a jolt from the mushroom trip or whatever. Maybe well, it's like all, sure. all in all, just I think the most respect you can show to the plants. And generally, I'm not saying never do this or that. I'm not giving you any thou shalts, but uh, maybe the best relationship to have with any of these substances is to take on as few of them simultaneously as you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I would I'm agree. not a dig at you, Michelle, because I'm thinking back at days where I'd be like psilocybin and MDMA at the same time. And then maybe mm -hmm. that's what the time that the cannabis actually brought me down <laughs> instead of you know, popping it I'm, off. But. I'm thinking about like what Mario brought up about the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn. Maybe we could say the Indica brings you to a Capricorn, Tropic of Capricorn, and the sativa brings you up to the Tropic of a Cancer. And when you fuse those two tropics together, you get can Anubis, cannabis, mm -hmm. uh, which the Analima is like the breath of Odin. And right now we're on the exhale where the lungs are emptied completely. And the days only get fuller from here. So from, this, from here on out, we're inhaling as the days elongate and we climb back up the Analima. Feels which, good to be. Yeah, on which the Analima is marketed by those two tropics. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, just want to point out because we brought up cancer and Capricorn so many times. I think it's really interesting that cancer is starts with can and then Capricorn starts with cap. And so you have cap and can kind of implies both signs actually kind of have this containing sort of thing going on. Cancer very much is about containers, kind of like the shell of the crab itself, you know, uh, the womb kind of being a container coming through mother, you know, there's a lot of container symbolism related to the moon, um, the craters of the moon, as an example, cups and bowls and things like that. Right. And then obviously with Capricorn too, it being related to Saturn, Saturn is all about restriction and containment. It's the wall, you know? So if you're thinking about things, um, you know, if you look at the seven um, planetary system, Saturn is at the very end of the line. So it's kind of like the container of the whole entire system. So it's almost kind of like the shell of the egg. 
I guess. So it's just like all of the walls and roofs and everything that contains that is a Saturnian thing going on right there. So cap and can, I think that's kind of curious. I love it. All right. Boniset. Bone set. Bone set. <laughs> Boniset. <laughs> Bone set makes more sense. Uh, yeah. But the Bonnie lies over the ocean. Eupatorium, um, perfoliatum. The, the folia is perforated in this cool way. Like if you hold up a piece of paper and you put a pen right through the middle, this is a really cool characteristic of the and uh, discerning quality of how a tissue will come together to the bone. So it's um, this looks like tissues coming to the bone. It looks like it in a lot of ways. It looks like it in the flowers, these bone white flowers, which always remind me of this slide here of which is a slide of looking at a human bone in a microscope. Um, so that comes, uh, yo, what's up? How's it going, James? Um, you know, definitely a legendary panel. Um, so yeah, this is one of my favorite plants. Bone set. It's extremely bitter. It's <laughs> head shaking bitter. Oh, and it's a uh, one of the most um, valuable plants in my arsenal for not only mending bones, um, but also healing um, influenza break bone bone break fever, as it was called. So there was a there was a, um, a um, academic debate saying, "Oh, this is the, why would they name this plant bone set? Oh, well, it's because people used it to heal bones." And then there was some guy back in you know eighteen hundreds and um, academic was like, "No, no one has ever healed bones. It was for this influenza that was called bone break fever. People got the chills, and it felt like their bones were were so sore." And they would work with this plant, and it was a really great diaphoretic. It helps you sweat, and it helps you uh, produce a lot of uh, white blood cells and immune response as well. And, um, but of course in, uh, this plant is native to North America. So once they went and asked the natives of North America, what were you using this plant for? Or what, what is the, what is the name of this plant in your culture? And they would always have names that would be like mending bone, mending bones together. So, um, I've only have one case history of mending a, a broken bone, uh, under supervision of an orthopedic surgeon who is like, yeah, well, if it's not fixed in a week, we have to do surgery. And guess what? It was, um, <laughs> it was through working what with was the uh, bone break or fracture. I'm, it this was sounds the awesome. most common bone break. It was my wife's, she broke her hand and it's the boxer break, which is this bone right here. And she was trying to catch something that was falling. Her hand like slipped inside. And uh, the break was a spiral, like um, a barber pole and really nasty break. But uh, working with bone set, drinking infusions, applying um, compresses of um, molin and comfrey and bone set and just uh, the the Solomon seal staff um, within a week, um, the fracture was healed. And um, that was that. And so I love this plant for a lot of those reasons, especially for the, the fever immune response. So here again, structure, but also the season of Capricorn, the immune season, the bitterness of the plant. Um, that's another thing that I think is really uh, important quality for, for I don't know, um, the, uh, the lessons of Saturn, which is the discipline like the medicine is through the process 
And that medicine is happens to be so bitter that the only way that I would ever consume or even consider consuming something as bitter as this, not enjoyable bitter like coffee or chocolate or, or uh, the Amari that are abundant here in Italy, but it's like the gross kind of bitter um, and making that, that medicine available through that, that type of like discipline process that Saturn offers. Uh, and uh, I think that's a really cool way of also describing it. And also this, uh, you know, if you were to, uh, come up to this plant and if you saw this plant in the wild and come up to it, you can crack it like a bone too. It doesn't have that like flexibility that a lot of plants have. You can easily uh, snap this plant in half. Um, so there's another signature of the bone aspect too. You Have you worked with this plant much, Michelle? I have not. So I was excited Oh, my screen just went, uh, there we go. We can still um, hear you though. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have not. So I was excited to hear you talk about it. And I love how you put the slide together because just seeing the uh, structure of the bone and the comparison to the flowers and stuff, it's really beautiful. Um, yeah, I, so I'm intrigued. I want to learn more about it for sure. I'm also curious about how you used it. Like what was the method of preparation and you did utilizing it for the, uh, the broken hand and you know, what were the, how did that work out? Yeah. I'm just kind of curious more about the process of that particular story. Um, so this, this is, would be something that um, I would say when you're, when your body feels like it needs uh, medicine like bone set, you, it actually becomes easier to receive that type of thing. So it would be really difficult to convince somebody to drink something like this. However, if you're in a fevered cold state or something like that, you actually, it actually is something that becomes, uh, the taste becomes, now I wouldn't say pleasant, but, um, easier. And the same thing would be, um, if you're going, if you're suffering a break. So I would have made an infusion, which would, this was during the summer, which I have this plant growing abundantly in my garden. I can easily go out and harvest a bunch and make a strong infusion, which is a tea that, um, that I would let sit overnight. And, uh, yeah, you're making a tincture now. That's awesome. Yeah, it really, it's one of the best diaphoretics for sure. But in, in the case of first aid, um, taking the leaves and just pounding them uh, with a mortar and pestle until you get kind of a juice and you can apply it as a poultice and we would just wrap it up and or, or use that infused uh, um, tea and make a compress, which is putting like a, um, a cloth and then using that cloth around. But I was trying to make um, the herbs actually in contact with the skin themselves. And so what I did was uh, this plant, some comfrey, and then I would have them like the juice of those plants there. And then I would take a mullein leaf and then use that as like kind of like the actual compress itself. And then it would be wrapped up and um, just confirming through x-rays and stuff like that. It was actually the, the whole story was a little bit more interesting because I was, uh, I was so impressed with, how, I was like, oh, look at that. It's like, it's complete, you know, it's the, uh, you put these two x-rays side by side and you can see that one clearly is, uh, <laughs> is no longer broken after a week. And I was just like, so excited that the top. Yeah, that's actually like, pretty, feels like it's kind of fast even. It's extremely fast. And it's one of those things that like, you know, you hear a lot about, like, uh, when you read about this plant, you, you hear stories like that all the time. And, 
Um, and I was, I was just like waiting for the doctor. So are you going to ask, you going to ask me what I did, you know, like, <laughs> and uh, he basically, and you know, like basically it did, was not interested at all. It was a, it represented a demise to his paradigm. He was a surgeon. He's a cutter. <laughs> he's trying to get, the, get us to cut, you know, and it was almost like a, the, the de- being deflated, you know, and as if I like completely like uh, took away uh, one of his, $30,000 surgeries or something like that. So I wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was also a paradigm shift for me too. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, I was hopeful that, um, you know, that there was, you know, in my interaction with, with medicine, there's, I'm always like, Oh, come on. There's gotta be, there's gotta be somebody who's really interested. And I know there are out there, but mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to find those interactions when you're actually in those situations. But anyway, that- <laughs> I think it's because at the point where, you know, they start to wake up to what you can do with what nature already gave us, then they get the choice of like, well, I either have to be a hypocrite to what I know and feign ignorance, or I got to just like quit. (laughs) So (laughs) I think some of them find out and then they're just like, okay, I'm out. I'm going to do something different. But yeah, just that's wild because when, where do you hear, like I've literally never in my life heard of a story of somebody actually healing a broken bone with herbal remedies you know you think about like the native americans and indigenous people and like oh well we're so much better off now than they were back then because at least you can go to a hospital if you break your leg or something but it turns out (laughs) they were fine we already had everything we needed all set so amazing that's a great story dude uh so bone set is a has a quite a few anagrams but uh best one is an anagram in there also, one's bet. It's a <laughs> eupatorium perfoli- perfoliatum. This bone set plant is apparently a, a native to Missouri. So that's great. I know what to like. This series that we're doing here is incredibly valuable, like for life. There will be a playlist of, you know, 12, doing them all 12 episodes of all the herbs of the various seasons. And it's like a, this is like better than college education. So I'm just really grateful Way better. to you guys for this because, you know, there might come a day where I go back into maybe the internet's off and everything, but I go back to my hard drive, my archive, and I'm like, okay, which is the one that's good for bones? Well, it's probably, we probably talked about good stuff for bones during Capricorn. And then I like find this video and I'm like, boom, bone set. Well, that's native to Missouri. Okay. And I know what it looks like. I'm going to go find it. <laughs> like, It's incredible, man. Heck yeah. Well, and then the uh, perfo in the second uh, uh, word there uh, makes me think of perforations. So like if there's perforations in the bones, but then you, when you're looking at the structure of the bones, there's actually like perforations there. So it's there to like heal anything that's broken or a perforation perhaps. Well, I'll keep us moving. There's cool. quite a few slides we've got here. Yeah, we do. Birch. Oh, birch. So lovely. One of my favorite trees sometimes isn't directly associated with Saturn, but is definitely associated with themes of Saturn. So uh, death and rebirth is a big one. Um, It is sometimes known as the lady of the woods. Um, 
And it's just such a comforting tree to me personally for a handful of reasons, mostly because I grew up around a lot of birch trees. There were a lot of birch trees in our neighborhood, actually. So something that I uh, was near and dear to my heart for sure. Um, There are actually, uh, there's a lot of um, native, like Native American, Native Indian uh, traditions with the placenta and birch. So whether the placenta to, to like help birth the placenta, sometimes birch was used. And then a specific tribe called the Thompson tribe, they actually used to use birch bark as a contraceptive. And what they would do actually is not only would they um, ingest the birch bark, but when, when the woman gave birth to the placenta, they would take the placenta and they would wrap it in a fishnet and they would stick it with a bone and they would hang the placenta in the tree. And it was, it was like a symbolic thing for them to like, they're closing off the placenta. Like she's not going to have children anymore. And they would have a ceremony around it. So I thought it was really beautiful that it can be used to help bird the placenta, but then actually help to, you know, um, help a woman to not have more babies if she's like coming of that age or that's just what they're stopping there or whatever the reason would be. So I, I loved that connection. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, uh, In reverse, it's trib. That's your tribe. It's a tribute. And it's even, uh, it's so close to birth as well. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Right. Gosh, birch, that's birch, Burkana, yeah, yeah, and and thank you, babe. Burkana is it is the rune for birch, but it also represents birth. It also represents um, mother. And I've had a I had a really beautiful experience with birch trees and also Burkana, but um, one time being at the ocean, uh, here come mushrooms again. Having a mushroom trip, I had been working with Burkana for that time leading up to the time we were at the beach, and we went out onto the beach at night. And I was hearing the waves and the ocean, and I just heard like Burkana, Burkana, Burkana is the mother, the mother is the sea, Burkana, and it just was like whoa, it was really potent. Um, and so anytime I work with Burkana, I think of that, but I also just think of you know the mother, and then you look at Burkana, it's almost like a mother who's pregnant, you know, you look at the shape of that. Um, and um, I also have a Burkana rune here that I've I made out of birch a handful of years ago. And it was wow. actually from a birch tree that um, when we were living in Portland, I had like a walking route that I would take. And uh, there was a birch tree that I would stop and visit pretty much every time I walked past it. And I used to go up to that birch tree and I would hug it and I would talk to it. And I knew that the people that lived in that house probably saw me do it every once in a while and were like, why is this girl hugging our tree? And I would thank it and everything. And one morning I walked past it and they had cut it down. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Like I felt so bad. I was like, I didn't it's get like to a friend had died. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't get to say goodbye to her. Oh my goodness. And then this overwhelming sense of just like her knowing that I didn't need to say goodbye to her. You know, it was like, she, she knew that I had a connection to her. And so uh, I used 
wood from her tree to make this Burkana um, rune because I wanted, I just wanted to always remember her. Um, and so this is the wood from that birch tree. And so wow. it's, it's just a really nice little thing. So, um, and Burkana has just always been one of my favorite uh, runes and it definitely is now forever. Um, kind of one of my totem uh, runes because of that. That's um, a really lovely creation there you made too. What a cool, yes. what a cool story. I'm yeah, glad it had a happy ending. Me too. Yeah. And I have like a little chunk of her and I, you know, have her around. So it's really cool. But um, yeah, when Kyle had mentioned that he wanted to talk about Birch and so I was like, oh, sweet, you know, we can weave this in with Saturn. So um, yeah, it was really cool, but um, also has pain relieving properties as well. Um, so it, it, you know, it can be used in a number of ways. Um, also a paper birch, you know, you can actually use it as paper. It, it has multiple layers that can be peeled off. And um, anyway, it's a beautiful tree. So how, how do you use this medicinally? Is it like the bark is a tea? Yeah, the bark is a tea. Um, a lot of times they would use, uh, do an oil infusion as well to be able to put it on topically. Um, I wonder, I don't know if it's, uh, I would, maybe it's slightly bitter. Oh, sometimes like, the uh, trees that have more of like a pain relieving properties can sometimes be bitter, a little bit bitter or like very drying sort of. I'm not sure. Um, but um, yeah, if anybody else has uh, thoughts. I got, I got a couple quick birch thoughts. You bet, Chilla, I do. Uh, <laughs> they, they look like forest bones. They, um, another thing that I, one of the things that I always appreciate about the birch is that all these little eyes, if you look at these trees, you could see all these little eyes that it has on it. It's almost like it's looking at you. This the one in the most forefront here in between the two like scabs. There's like an eye in the background. Uh, the one on the right side, there's just a whole bunch of eyes going up the, the top there. So it looks like there's eyes all around and, and uh, as if it's like the big brother Saturn watching you over and over, you better, you better behave. Um, and there's, I think that that's where it generates a lot of its protection guardian quality because you just feel like you're being watched. Um, if you make a, um, a tea with the bark, you're going to um, extract um, a, a compound called salicates or methyl salicates, which is like the a menthol flavored um, aspirin. Basically salicate is where we get acetosalicylic acid or which is aspirin. So pain relieving, uh, blood thinning, uh, regulating to, um, the inflammation process, which is, uh, both pro and anti-inflammatory. So the, the healing process, in other words, um, I work with birch in my Capricorn Astro Aromatics blend because it smells so awesome when you, uh, in, uh, the essential oils of the plant smell so good. It's like very, very sweet. Um, so that also includes like, um, uh, winter green and, um, oak moss and some very nice earthy smells. And, um, where I live north of where I live, um, the birch is what the chaga grows on and we go out and we get a lot of chaga mushroom and they are like, um, they're not like the, a fruiting body. Like you see a shelf mushroom or ones that come from the ground, but they're called a scler sclerotia, which is like a mass of mycelia. And they are basically synthesizing the betulinic acid or that 
healing qualities of the birch and and really, really um, condensing them. And so that's why chaga mushroom, you may have heard about how chaga is so great at um, helping with this and helping with that and helping with all these things. And what they appear like is they look like um, little uh, cancerous tumors on the tree. In fact, that's what kind of they are. They're kind of in, some people think that they, they infect the tree and, um, and, I, I, I have a different way of thinking about it. Maybe that they, they, uh, the tree and the mushroom actually need each other in a lot of ways, but instead of like, Oh, the poor tree is going to die now. It has the chaga. Um, but, uh, that's why another signature of the tree or of the, of the, um, chaga is for, um, tumors and cancerous growths and things like that as well. And, um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on birch betula, um, you betula. nice i like that and a lot of times those knobs um sometimes are called uh witches knobs i learned um which is interesting too um to me because i feel like the witch she has this uh in to me there's like an energy of the witch in the woods and she's like watching over the woods or she's like the lady of the woods and it kind of just like all goes into um the eye uh symbolism too Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I, in, I can't remember. It's like the, the Celtic Druid Celtic Oracle. Um, I think that you have that deck. Um, you mentioned that yesterday, the, in the book of that deck, it talks about how the birch is the Celtic, uh, the, the 13th uh, moon or the 13th, the end of the year or the beginning of the new year. So it has a lot of this life and rebirth aspect to it. And this is interesting. You brought up the placenta. So there it is at the end of the year, this Capricorn area where it's, where it's both the end and the beginning gen genius, you know, looking back, looking forward. I love yeah. it, dude. 13th card, uh, death, right? Yeah. You know, and, uh, I was just going to say real quick, uh, regarding, um, the birch tree and Burkana and everything else. So if you'll notice that the rune, it looks like a bee. Right. And so some people have said, and th- there's so many layers to the rune, so I'm not claiming to be an expert by any means, but uh, B is for breasts and it kind of looks like a pair of breasts. Right. Mm. And uh, I know that Anger Boda, the mother of monstrosities, I'm doing a commission print for somebody and they want a custom Anger Boda illustration. Um, she uh, was with Loki and she um, gave birth to a few prominent figures in that mythology, but she works with birch. Uh, along with other trees as well. And she's very much a lady of the woods, um, witchy type of person. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about, Mario, was how, um, you know, Burkana being the mother, but the mother, like the devouring mother and then the life-giving mother. And I know that that's one of the things that you had brought up. Yeah, exactly. It's very much similar to uh, the Saturnian idea of Saturn devouring his children. And I think that there's actually uh, a lot of different ways to look at it. This person that I'm doing a commission print for, she was saying that Anger Boda is also known as the devouring mother and not in a negative way, but saying that if it comes down to saving one of her children or saving her family, she's going to sacrifice or devour one of her children uh, in order to save the whole pack, basically. <laughs> nice. So, uh, I like that. Yeah, so that's a great point for sure. I thought that was interesting. And uh, before we move on from the birch tree, I just have to shout out this book here. I'm shouting out books tonight, people. So if you're wanting book wisdom, this is Under the Witching Tree. 
This is by Corinne Boyer. Uh, she is a fabulous, fabulous researcher, um, occultist, herbalist, uh, woman of the woods herself. Um, and so she uh, really just has some wonderful folklore that she goes into with a handful of trees and um I love her. <laughs> so I wanted to shout that book out. Um, if anyone is into that and wanting to get kind of more into the magical folklore stuff surrounding trees, I would look into Corinne Boyer. Nice. Thanks for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's great. So, so birch is a, is a good survival tree. Uh, you can tap birch for water, uh, but it's not really water. It's just the sap of the tree. That's uh, kind of sweet and, water like it's 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 like uh it's not like syrup you know it's more water like uh and there are certain techniques people can kind of get into this if you're you know if you're you know just curious or if you're in survival mode there are certain methods you can actually tap one tree and get uh quite a bit of uh results so that's something for people to kind of look into uh and you know it's probably a really potent ingredient for channeling intention uh especially if it's well-informed intent intention. So I thought I'd kind of throw that on the table there. It's delicious too. It's nice. So good. nice. Like that seems like a resource that would be so widely available. Like why isn't it in stores or something? I don't know. Never it's had really it. popular in Russia actually, where they have a lot of birch trees. They had, they sell it in the can and I can't remember what it's called, but really mm-hmm. that's cool. That's super cool. Import import some or just go outside and like tap an actual birch tree in our environment. That's probably a better idea. <laughs> There's something about this it's in the can. It must be safe. Somebody told somebody checked to make sure it was all good. <laughs> it's in the can. It's got a label. I couldn't go get it from the tree myself. That's dangerous. Well, if, you, if you ever tap trees for sap, um, it's funny because one of the first things that you'll see around them, those first signs of, Animal life is the fly. So just to weave that back in, um, the flies will come out of nowhere to be around your sweetness. And especially even in the middle of what seems like the winter, it's cool. Nice. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Horse tail. Horse tail. Equestitum. Yeah. SPP. SPP. Yeah. When you... When you see SPP, um, that just means like species. It means all all of the species of this would be interchangeable. So it's no, we don't necessarily need to identify which species it is because there there could be different ones. Um, Equestitum. Um, yes, awesome. I love horsetail. Um, um, I like horses too. I like. Uh, it's funny because at at our uh, shop we have um, a a potion that is for growing hair. We put horsetail in it because it's really high in silica. And uh, somebody was picking it up and they were reading it and they're like, oh, this isn't vegan. I can't work with it. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's an actual horse's tail. It's nice, dude. <laughs> um, but yes, it's a plant that's No really horses were harmed in the making of this potion. <laughs> silica is what we... What we need for our hair and our fingernails and our cartilage and our bones. And, so are you um, from, you're probably familiar with like the 12 cell salts, right? Yep. Yes. And so one fact, thing I have, I have the book. So one salvation. thing that turned me off from using them was that they all came in forms that were like lactose involved. 
And at the, for a long time, I was completely avoiding dairy because I had a horrible allergy to it. But I kind of forgot about the cell salts recently as I've reintroduced dairy back into my diet successfully and uh, not having the horrible allergies anymore. So congrats. Show that again, Mario. Congratulations to me for, uh, <laughs> you know, healing whatever was going on with my body that didn't allow me to have it. But anyway, I reckon that the better way to take in these 12 salts of salvation would just be from a place where they naturally are abundant. Like you're saying horsetail and silica, probably according to like, you know, the zodiacal breakdown of which of the 12 salts would be good for me based on the nine months I was in the womb. I think uh, silica was one of them that I ought to be getting more of so yeah maybe horsetail's the way to go you could or or you could work with um the oat straw so silica is the thing in like if you if you look at it microscopically it's like a long sliver it's like a crystal sliver and they're all packed together vertically and it's the type of thing that would allow a plant like oats um to sway or grass to sway back and forth without breaking um, and this is this kind of structure that we want in our bones, too. We want them to be able to have that piezoelectrical movement of the crystals and have them sway so that there's bend but not break. Um, so this is a plant that's going to strengthen bones through that process of, uh, of also giving, too. You know, having that uh, give and, and not break. Um, and then, uh, so, so you could... Uh, if you wanted to, there's ways that I, I re- like to recommend horse t- working with horsetail is making an infusion of it. And then you could pour it over your head for like strengthening your hair. You could, you could just make, make a, a bath of the tea and put your nails in it to strengthen your nails. It works very quickly. Um, you can infuse horsetail into apple cider vinegar and vi- apple cider vinegar is a great, uh, uh, solvent for pulling minerals out of plants. So um, there's, there's some things that, you know, are more available in some plants than others. And the plants that have a lot of minerals are, are always great with apple cider vinegar. So you can make an apple cider vinegar and you can use that to spray in your hair or something like that. Or you can take a, a teaspoon of uh, apple cider vinegar in the morning with your water. Um, and the other thing that comes to mind when I think about the, the horsetail is that it's often described in books as like, you know, back in time when the dinosaurs were on the earth, uh, there, the horsetail was, was a gigantic tree. And, um, now all of our, uh, fossil fuels come from this type of plant, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, wait, so it's herb- not dinosaur bones, it's horsetail. <laughs> it's like, you know, everything. It's like a, I don't even want to drive a car anymore. If it's up. not dinosaur bones. It's yeah, it's, it's something from, from then. It, and, uh, but anyway, it I think in that, um, you do find really interesting, um, truths. And if you look at silica and things like that under microscopes, and even this picture that that's Michelle's hand right there, you see these hexagonal structures. And if you've ever been to like Giant's Causeway, um, these like, um, what's the word? Cobalt, uh, not cobalt, uh, uh, basalt, um, 
type of structures that are yes. uh, that are allegedly, you know, lava that just like turned into hexagons. But there's something else to that. Right. And I actually think it's organic material. Um, some people think about like the giant trees and stuff like that. So maybe there was something back in time where these where these plants were very, very large. Um, and in the age, like we're in the carbon age now um, and, and maybe moving into a, a different age. Um, but this was back in a silica time. Wow. And, and it's yeah, really, exactly. really cool ancestral plant that way. So there's a lot of in, very deep uh, wisdom with in regards to like previous time with this plant. It's cool. Dude, that is, you're blowing my mind. You're blowing my mind. I can't believe you're saying this stuff. He's <laughs> um, so knowledgeable. Like, yeah, this, this is so lucky to have this crew. Yeah. There are some wild connections happening in my brain as I listen to you. Uh, so the the mobile horse, uh, the Pegasus logo of mobile, the company, has a horse's tail with a hidden hand in the tail of the horse. And I've been wondering for a long time, uh, and it means many things, you know, Pegasus and the constellation of Pegasus. and again? Uh, mobile. Like the oil That's, company? Yep. And so, you know, peg gas sis has gas in it. We pay the gas, the, you, you know, we have a, a gas-based economy. So Pegasus is a super important uh, constellation. But not only does mobile have a hand coming out of the, out of the, the tail is a covert hidden hand in the art. But also um, Bill Cooper's book, Behold a Pale Horse, it, uh, Yes. Even Bill Cooper's book, uh, the, the cover of it has the shape that the horse's tail makes on his cover is a Hebrew yod hidden in the art. So there's a hidden hand in Bill Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse imagery. And there's a hidden hand in the mobile Pegasus. So I keep seeing this hidden hand coming out of the ass of the horse. And here you are telling me about, you know, this uh, correspondence from like uh, uh, apparently fossilized megafauna, uh, and that is such an amazing bridge you just connected there. That is so wild. Yeah, I love that hexagonal um, tip there. I, I was so glad you brought up brought that up because that was one of the things that I wanted to mention too because it's so intriguing to me and the the ancient part of horsetail and how it, it lays down really deep roots and that's one of that's one of its things too. Um, and then there's a perennial or uh, sorry, it's a perennial, but um, there's a, a fertile horsetail and then there's a sterile horsetail and so in that slide the the one that has the cone shape that has the hexagonal shapes on it that is actually the fertile horsetail so it, it actually sends off spores and so it will reproduce through that and it they're like the, they're really beautiful it's like this bluish green color that the spores are and then in this photo you can see right next to it the smaller one there is a sterile horsetail coming up right next to it and typically what happens when they grow is that the fertile ones will um, come up first and then the sterile ones will be not too far behind. Um, and the um, so the the way you can tell the difference, too, and I know in Kyle's slide he shows this, but when the um, sterile horse tail um, comes up to its full potential on the right there, it has the the, you know, the 
it looks like hair. It looks like a horse's tail. And so this is just, it just screams Capricorn to me because there's all these joints and there's like, you know, knobs and <laughs> things like that. And um, it actually can be poisonous to livestock and ironically enough, very poisoning to horses if they eat it. So I think it is very interesting when you look at that, look at it from that perspective. So if like, if it's around farmland or something, uh, farmers might mitigate it from that area because it can be um, toxic to like sheep specifically, I know. And I read that horses too can have like pretty bad reactions to it. And I can also attest to its hair growing, strengthening abilities because I, uh, I'll, I'll infuse fresh horsetail and nettle in the spring. And those together make a really lovely um, infused vinegar for a rinse or uh, to take it orally, what have you. But yeah, sure. one of my, one of my favorite plants of all time. It looks I would like say. It, it does, yeah, it totally does. And you can mm. eat, you can eat like the end of horsetail. Like if you if you pull it up from the ground, so, asparagus you, would that be like also a pretty high silica magnesium, probably food for vegetables anyway. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But sure. like, if, is if that you your hidden hand? <laughs> In the picture? It is my hand, yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to just emphasize, like, there, there's kind of like a hollowness to the horsetail as well. And then, like, it's almost, it's not quite like a gel that's in that top cone, but it's just, like, very moist and, like, um, it's almost, like, uh, kind of, like, crystally in its own way. It's hard to describe, but that was what I'm trying to demonstrate there in that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had one other thing, but I lost my train. It's okay. Oh, uh, it's a diuretic. And so it can be really, it grows near water. So that's one of its other signatures. It grows usually near fresh water. A lot of times you find it near like a stream or a creek or something, which can kind of symbolize that its ability to help the body move urine and, and flush the, flush the kidneys and flush the bladder. Um, so it can be helpful for like UTIs and things like that. Um, one thing to be cautionary of if you're harvesting horsetail for those purposes, you want to get it when it's really young because when it's later in its age, um, it can actually be more irritating to the kidneys and to the urinary tract. Um, just something to keep in mind. Excellent. Kyle, I love the hexagonal weave that you brought up with um, Giant's Causeway and everything else. And we have many examples of this happening in the natural world, right? This is the devil's tower kind of coming back around full circle, but this is in Wyoming, right? And so it has a very similar sort of thing. It does. It looks like a gigantic tree stump or something natural, right? From way back in the day. And I think it's fascinating that one of the myths associated with the devil's tower actually has to do with a bear. And so um, here in this illustration, this is an old uh, native uh, concept of how the devil's tower came to be. And it's this idea that a gigantic bear was actually clawing its way up the, uh, the devil's tower, creating these claw marks, you know, what you're speaking to, right. Um, with this shape uh, within the rock. And to me personally, when I first heard of this story, I immediately thought of the world axis, uh, the tower, the world tower, the world pole and Ursa major. And so it makes me wonder if this is another uh, cosmic axis sort of myth. Isn't in the myth that the uh, like gods or heavenly forces were having mercy on the people being chased by the bear. So like the ground kept raising up, but the bear kept scratching at it and it kept getting higher and higher, kind of like a pole star Mount Maru type of thing. 
I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I read it, but that does sound familiar for sure. Uh, did you put this around in the groups recently or did I just come across this synchronistically recently and, and just read about the same myth somewhere? Synchronicity, dude. Yeah. Oh, no, I have wow. not posted this anywhere. Isn't that interesting though? Yeah. Whoa. I feel like I came across this as if it was like a myth in not about Devil's Tower, but about the Polestar, a similar myth that I read somewhere. And I, Gonna, it's gonna be tough for me to track it down, but it might have been in, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been in Marty's, Marty Leeds' new book, Scripture in the Stars, because oh, I read nice. that last week in its entirety. So that's probably most likely it's from that. Awesome. Yeah. Fascinating. I don't know if everybody caught the, uh, the stream from Sunday night with Marty, but guys, go catch that if you didn't. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so I've, Found uh, there's quite a few anagrams. Always many, many, many anagrams. <laughs> but I've got uh, out of horsetail. I get rose lathe, and lathe means garden. It can also mean gray, so it could be a gray rose. But it also uh, relates to loathing, or to not enjoy. Mm. Um. But I really love the idea that that little factoid that it's not good for horses, that it's like something the whole the horse should avoid or be loathing of. And it's almost like uh, I wonder if uh, if ever anybody has ever used it to sabotage another person's horses, you know, oh, to, interesting. To feed it to someone's horse and anticipate that their horse might break down on the road so they can swoop in and jack them. Hmm. <laughs> just a thought yeah and i saw that cody asked in the chat if you can use both the fertile and the sterile horsetail and yes you can you can use them both wait a, wait a second 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 stop the presses stop the presses <laughs> gasoline industry put the horses out of commission. So we went from horse driven industry or whatever horse dependency on a horse economy to a metallic industrial age. That is quite profound. So the, the tale of the horse is that we put them down and we turn to gasoline instead. That is really something. That's that's just a fun weave. All right, I'm done. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Horsepower. <laughs> so let's get into this one. Mullen, that is a classic. Yes, great. Uh, great ally for both Michelle and I. Both, I know that we're getting uh, long in the tooth in this one, but we could do... Two hours on Mullen if we wanted to. This was one of my first <laughs> allies. Yeah, um, yeah. That's thank you for bringing that up. If you guys are all cool to press on, and you know right. you can, you can pace more quickly if you want through the slides, but we got like ten more slides, and I would I'm happy to continue, or we can you know call it soon. You guys just let me know, or if anyone wants to tap out early, I'm not keeping you here, but I love being here with y'all, so yep. I'm game to keep going. I love I love talking about plants. I had my espresso. Ciao. We're good to go. Um, <laughs> Molin, 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 
Uh, I before E except after C in the case of Molin 2. Molin E, an exceptional plant like Molin will do. Um, one of the things that I think about when I see this plant that I that this plant taught me is that it looks like when you're looking down on the rosette here, well, it's five o'clock. Um, Saturn's letting us know. That's uh, so cool. It, <laughs> that it looks like a timepiece. It looks like a cosmic timepiece, like all these gears. And it's funny, I was about to talk about that and then and then the chimes. Um, and so Mullen, one of my uh, special relationships with Mullen when I first started learning about plants was um, if you get down and spend a little time uh, with me, then I will help reset your cosmic cosmic uh, perfection. And and so uh, back in the interverse, a few <coughs> excuse me months ago, when I was talking with Chance, he was he was asking me about the difference between uh, the these Greek concepts of Kronos and Kyrios and this cosmic time cycles. And it's something that I keep thinking about over and over and over. And when I see a Mullen plant, I think about that because I think about how just kneeling down and touching this little fuzzy plant and saying, hi, Mullen, and uh, being really attracted to the, the softness uh, um, and almost the, there's a lot of cancer qualities about this plant too. Um, and how that helps reset my cosmic time in a way, my curious time in a way, because now all of a sudden I'm uh, out of my, uh, you know, to-do list mind and I'm down in uh, on my knees saying hello to a plant. And it's really cool. Um, you'll see the, some of the signatures of Mullen makes one of the most straightest stalks in nature and it's straight, you know, uh, uh, Mario's talked about this with Michelle about the, uh, using this as an example for the uh, pole star, but it's funny because if you pull Mullen back, it'll just go, blah, blah, blah. it wants to be straight. It wants to be vertical. And if you actually bend the, bend it a little bit, um, it'll just, and it'll just start growing straight again. So it has a signature for straightening things out. It's a really good spinal um, aligner or just aligner in general. So this is why I worked with this plant for a broken bone. These little hairs are um, uh, the, the leaf itself. Whenever you see large leaves like this, you think about the lungs. Um, and then also a really cool survival thing about mullen is that you can use the flower stalk and you can dip it in um wax and make a torch and i have a, a funny um story where we were at my friends uh we were up north in a cabin we were at my friends uh they're having a first birthday party for their for their little baby and they didn't bring a candle and they had but they brought a cake and they really wanted a candle and i was like i'll go i'll go take care of it so i went out and i found a mullen stock and i found a bunch of pine resin and i like wrapped uh, like put a whole bunch of pine resin on it and then I, I put this mullen stock into the cake and we lit it on fire. And, um, <laughs> and it was like, instead of it being like, you know, a little birthday cake uh, a candle, it was just like this massive torch that no one could blow out. <laughs> Cause that's what they're, that's what they help with is that this, this uh, uh, light at the, uh, you know, if you look at this, particular scene it's like you know the angle of the sun it's the it's the low part of the sun right now in capricorn and so it's nice to have these reminders of the light aspects too so i can wax on and on about my uh love for molin um there is one there's one last thing i wanted to mention and that is um it's good for lungs right 
It's a great lung tonic. It's one of the best lung remedies there is. And so there's another cancer slash Gemini relationship. And um, the one of the things that I that is in that I found it, and I can't verify, but I found secondhand is that um, when somebody was talking about when what one of the things that Odysseus was using to protect his ears from uh, Circe was the uh, the flowers of mullen, which is uh, definitely a, an ear remedy, but the mullen over here in the uh, Mediterranean region where I'm at right now is a different species. It's called Verbascum olympian, and it has these gigantic flowers uh, as opposed to the mullen flowers that we normally find in North America, which are little dinky thingies, um, and they're waxy. They're definitely waxy, and they're the type of flowers that you could – uh, easily uh, uh, put into your ears to uh, <laughs> repel the sound, the songs of the siren. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, the relationship between um, uh, Mullen and, and the, the old myths too. So I love oh, that. That's, dude. that's great. That's such a good, that's such a good story. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I love the Mullen torch and um, you know, too, they look like torches when they're in full bloom, you know, and it's summertime and you come upon them in those bright yellow flowers. It's almost like a torch, you know, already in and of itself. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, you hit on like so many great points. So yeah, I mean, and the one thing with the flowers, when you pluck one uh, and you can look right through it, it actually does. It looks like an ear canal when you look at it. And if you like pluck the flower and even look at it from the side, it looks very similar to an ear canal. And um, I've had really good success with using mullein oil in my own ears. And I'm even currently giving mullein to our cat. And I've given him mullen over the years because he has some upper respiratory chest stuff that goes on, especially in the winter. And it always really helps him a lot. Yeah, mullen. If you look at uh, just look at a mullen, if you ever see it, it looks it, it collects the water, it collects the dew, but it's also really dry. Some people call it cowboy toilet paper. It's got a, it's got these bristly um, hairs. So to me, there, it has a lot of signatures of the lungs, and we could probably uh, come back to mullen on when we're in cancer too, because I think there's a lot of cancer relationship with mullen. Um, as with a lot of these plants, we might find, oh, I got to I got to put it in one com compartment here, but actually it could it could be in multiple parts of the Zodiac. But there's definitely a lot of signatures of Saturn with with the mullein for sure. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I, I love that you pointed out how stubborn it is because that's the one of the attributes of the mule. And so the uh, the mullein kind of has the mule in the name there. And even like the ears of the donkey, you know, the shape of those leaves even makes me think of the, the ears of the donkey as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And then the way mullen is so just like it wants to drive up to the sky. I mean, that's like the goat. It's climbing. You know, the goat will climb, 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 climb. Oh, and that's what mullen what? does as well. Very nice. Yeah. And, I, and the way you lit the one on fire, like a candle. Uh, it absolutely makes me think of the Baphomet. You know, the Baphomet has, like, we're on the devil card. We're talking about the devil card. Uh, the Baphomet has the weird freaking torch center yeah. horn, which is, I mean, Mario, is it a torch? Is, is, am I reading that right? It's a torch on the crown of Baphomet? I believe so. A torch or a candle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
That's that's wildly appropriate for Capricorn. I really dig that. So we got a voicemail from Gordy. He's out in the desert right now. (laughs) Uh, So give me a thumbs up or thumbs down, depending on like if you can hear this, because I'm doing it in a different way because the other program is not cooperating. But here we go. Um, I hope this is working. Um, I just wanted to jump in and say thank you guys for doing these because I really appreciate, um, you know, I've gotten to know nature pretty well through those owls and I'm excited to Can't go. for you guys to hear the uh, <clears throat> episode I did with Mike Cleland on one-on-one podcast. It'll be very interesting. And I just got off with um, oversharing podcast where we talked a little more about the implants and kind of how I've reflected on it now. So, but I just wanted to say thank you guys because I experienced the, the desert differently, but, you know, seeing it through a magical lens is a very different thing. So I appreciate that about you guys because you, you're very knowledgeable about your area. And I'm, I'm trying to, I know the desert. I'm starting to know creosote and sage and, and pull the stuff out from the desert and use them in my own kind of thing. So I appreciate that about you guys, like, turning me on to this stuff. Uh, Chance, thank you. Thank you for the last vibrant doing that with me with uh, the Soul Connection ladies. It's I'm going to do an episode with them from the under the owl tree. So I think we're, we're trying some cool stuff, I think. Cool, man. Thank you for those uh, voicemails, Gordy. That Looking was awesome, Gordy. It. Gordy's I, great. Yeah, I thank pull, you, Gordy. I, I got to pull the mullet out of my ears so I can hear it a little better, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's sharing audio across screen, uh, you know, inside baseball. It's tricky sometimes. Do my best. But we are on to nightshades, and oh. there's a lot of those. Yes. And, babe, I just realized we forgot to change the uh, text on this one. <laughs> so disregard the, the like, bullet oh, okay. points here. That's reishi mushroom. <laughs> so uh, oh. these are our templates. <laughs> oh, so disregard okay. the, the we'll, bullet points. We'll just points. jump forward to uh, the nice yeah. smorgasbord of There we go. We're gonna, <laughs> the, the last photo, though, that was Monk's Hood, which... Um, Wonderful, beautiful uh, nightshade. So the nightshade family is governed by Saturn. And um, it is, these are known as poison plants a lot of times. Uh, Nightshades, uh, a lot of people know, are uh, quote unquote toxic. Uh, They're toxic in high doses. Um, So right here, we're looking at um, from the top left, that is tomato. That's a lot of people know that tomatoes are nightshades. Uh, next to the tomato in the center on the top, that is henbane, which I just love how beautiful a lot of these nightshade plants and flowers are. A lot of them are very intriguing. They almost call you into them. They want you to come and sit and listen. And, they, and yeah, there's just a lot of lessons here uh, with these plants. Top right uh, is poppy. That's opium poppy. 
uh, Mario and I talked about this plant again with the sacred center, just looking at that, it kind of draws you in. It's like X marks the spot, uh, just a beautiful, uh, just such a beautiful flower, uh, down on the lower, uh, left-hand side. That's Datura, um, uh, also known as devil's trumpet. And I have a, an individual slide on Datura, um, just because I have learned quite a bit from it, just from growing it, literally, just from growing it and sitting with it and listening to it and observing, um, observing that plant. It's also known as, known as thorn apple sometimes because of the way that the seed pods look. Um, and then the center bottom photo is eggplant, which is another um, nightshade that lots of people are familiar with. And then on the bottom right, that's tobacco. Um, and I just love the shape of that tobacco flower and the trumpet. What I noticed too, a lot of these nightshades, they kind of have like trumpet shaped flowers, which I think indicate um, a lot of things. But one of the, the one of the first things that always comes to mind is journeying and kind of going into other realms. These plants help you um, kind of like alter your state of consciousness, uh, perhaps astral travel, time travel, daydream, whatever you want to call it. Um, they have that ability and tobacco specifically when I look at it too, it's like, it, it looks like a shooting star. And then, um, the nightshades are typically five petaled. Um, I believe actually they always are five petaled. Um, and then the tobacco in particular definitely has pulling abilities. So a lot of times you can use tobacco in like a pulling salve if you're trying to pull toxins from the skin. Um, it has like yeah, a isn't vacuum. it like. Tobacco is like, give me everything. Like it's absorbing a lot. Yeah. It takes up a lot of the resources of its environment. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's a really beautiful plant to grow actually. Um, and this is from, this one is from our garden. Um, and it really did really well last year. Um, but yeah, there's something about like a vortex or like pulling you in somewhere. That's what I think of when I um, see this tobacco flower. And there's different species of tobacco that have a little, very similar looking flowers, but a little different. Sometimes the flowers are pink. Sometimes they're, they're a little smaller. Sometimes they don't have as a pronounced trumpet um shape to them as well so those are the glorious nightshades i have a couple thoughts here nightshade mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned this yesterday with your with mario but uh, the, the name nightshade we're talking about uh darkness and they come from the solanaceae family or solanum um as in soul sun new anum um so it sounds um, also like Celine or Selene which is a name for the moon. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's, we're, 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 there's a lot of like darkness aspects to these plants. Um or or the lack of light, right? So really appropriate for this time of year, really appropriate for Saturn. Um and we see these these um one of the color signatures of poison is that dark purplish blackish uh saturnian color patterns that we see on the cards that we uh that we started with that we see in henbane that we see in belladonna that we see in eggplant that we see in a lot of these uh, uh, uh potatoes and nightshades that we uh that are around as well so a lot of poisonous plants uh, especially the nightshades are um under the influence of of the uh the reaper and um and 
so, you know, it's Saturn, not just Capricorn, but, you know, is an old system for the, for Aquarius. And, you know, now we're, we'll get into Aquarius another time, but um, I would say appropriate for this, the, the season, the winter season, um, the, the hard part of the year, the, the disciplined part of the year, the part of the year where you have, where you have the, the toughest lessons and also that have that um, spiritual medicine to uh, to the season as well, which we'll find in, in things like tobacco and that we'll find in um, the abundance of tomatoes when we uh, discipline ourselves to, instead of just eating them from the vine, but putting them into a, a, a jar and saving them for the winter. Um, and the same thing with the, the types of uh, fruits that are abundant from these Saturn plants like tomato or like potatoes that we could save for times like now. Definitely. Yes. I love all those connections. And, you know, I love the, the thought of the nightshades too, of like being used in very small doses, because obviously a lot of these plants, if you use them in big doses, they can be fatal. Um, And so I even think about that. Um, just kind of like you're saying, instead of eating the tomato right off the vine, like take time and, and make it into sauce or preserve it or what have you. But everything in moderation is kind of how I always look at things like this. So it's like I know that when I eat, uh, if I eat a lot of potatoes or anything like that, I, I never feel very good. Right. You know, and so and there's all sorts of certain foods that do that for different people. But I think that the nightshades in particular, you have to be, you know, just a little bit more, more mindful on how much you how much of it you are consuming. It's kind of interesting. Just a little bit goes a long way with these ones. <laughs> Gabriel, you asked me to pull up an image, and I want you to tell me, is this the one you were requesting? This is the very one. Thank you, Chance. Yeah, this was me cramming, doing some last-minute homework before the show, get my thoughts together. Um, I found a really powerful anagram in the word nightshades. I'm really stoked on this. I just found it while we were talking. Uh but so, yeah, I made this, this graphic before, but just now I came across this really awesome anagram. Um, but you have uh, on your graphic there, Michelle, you had the uh, the poppy, the uh, the poppy plant. Yep. And so uh, I've been collecting imagery that corresponds with the forbidden fruit. And so in my graphic there, you'll see that I have the pomegranate, which is a... a actually an iconoclastic symbol uh to the greeks it was uh it was forbidden uh, it was a uh, you know stigmatized as the you know uh something you should not partake of in the underworld the fruit of the underworld uh and to the hebrews it was the sacred fruit it was the fruit of knowledge and so it has this uh it means one thing to one group and something else to another group so it is like kind of a intrinsically controversial uh and it has that shape with like the same shape of glinda the good witch with her crown and you know she comes floating down on this bubble so she's like you know the sophia the wisdom that comes from eating of the fruit of knowledge so to say uh and it always blew my mind to a large degree how much that shape of that pomegranate crown also corresponds to the poppy uh, which you brought forward in your images there with the nightshades. Um, but what blows my mind is the word nightshades 
is an anagram for Hades things. The things of Hades. And these are the forbidden fruits of the underworld here. As we are uh, rolling through the, this Capricorn, the cornucopia, the abundance of offerings, there are certain ones that are Hades things that you should not get too greedy about, you know? Uh, so that kind of blows my mind that even, you know, from now on, I'll always see the word knights and I'll, I'll consider that it is an instant anagram for things. And I just think that is really fun. Um, and also on my little graphic here, I pointed out that we're about to come out of uh, the Mercury retrograde, which is a unique retrograde. We're in a, This is a fourth retrograde. Uh, we usually only have three retrogrades. But this, uh, this year and next year, we will actually experience uh, four retrogrades. It's a very unique thing. So for two years in a row, we're going to have an... Um, an extra retrograde just fitting in before the finish line. Uh, so yeah, here in the next week, we're coming out of retrograde. I just thought I would list all of those for anybody who's interested. Uh, they're all right here. People can screenshot, but even, uh, even the, uh, the emoji of the exploding brain, like, Oh my God, my brain's exploding. Even that is in the shape of the forbidden fruit. Fun stuff, man. I love it. You know, it's actually really interesting. One of my resources, uh, a book I'm reading, basically, was saying that one school of thought regarding the forbidden fruit, which I didn't realize there were so many concepts or schools of thought regarding the forbidden fruit. But one school of thought is that the forbidden fruit is actually, and it's appropriate based on what we've already talked about, was wheat, which kind of like perked my ears a little bit. And it's something I might look into uh, a little bit more, but the idea that wheat itself was the uh, forbidden fruit, I think is very, very intriguing for a few different reasons, but uh, excellent stuff, man. Nice. Yeah. I like the wheat one too. Yep. A lot of the gl gluten intolerance out there are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading this giant book, Anacalypsis today and uh, Higgins brought up Pausanias. I think that's how you say the name of the like Greek philosopher and about how he was, he, he had, there's a line in there uh, from that ancient author about how like, and of the pomegranate, we will not speak the meaning because that's for the initiated discourse only. Oh, wow. That is really profound. Uh, I just learned that uh, a, a lot of folks believe that the, um, uh, the 300, no, excuse me, 613 mitzvahs are symbolized by the myth that there are 613 uh, arils inside of every pomegranate. And I thought that was pretty profound. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's, a, that's what the myth is. There's one seed for every mitzvah. And that was, uh, that was my graphic on uh, old Hamlin with his three-day living resurrection ritual number three three days in the underworld he goes down for three days he pops right back up there's a whole big fat uh fool card weave on that too but uh gabriel i think um next if you're cool with this buddy yeah uh, next week for vibrant i want to just do an open weave where you just kind of do a big slick dissident dump on us and uh let's do that know, let's do that i got I got tons. I got tons and tons. Okay. <laughs> like the good old days. All right. We're going to do that next week. Cause I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that stuff, but I don't, we can't detour this. We're 
We're too deep into the herb stuff. Gotcha. Right. Well, yeah, because, man, I I love that. I love that stuff. I'm definitely going to be there because I was thinking about the Ram, like the a Ram ad tomorrow. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> it's it's uh, it's an, an advertisement for war. Okay. Elder. <laughs> the uh, Elder, it's, it's the name. It's the old. It's the old. Um, over here on the left, you have the, the maiden. And on the right, you have the crone. Um, when the plant is in flower, it has this uprightness to it. This is also maybe kind of a mercurial, mutable aspect to this plant too. Um, but it up, uprightness, and then as it gets its berries, you'll notice when when you look at the plant, the pl- it just like it like yeah, it they really droop with the, the berries. What's that? Yeah, they like the the berries really weigh down. It really does. Yeah, it weighs the, it weighs it down, and it and it pulls the whole plant down as if it as if the plant is like old and um and elder, right? And so that downward pushing force again. Yep. Um. Look at all of the look at all that Saturn colors again. There's the colors of the Crawley card. There's the blacks. There's these this like magenta purplish. Um, these colors also in the body of the, um, the of oxygen that's been deprived from the blood. Um, and if you look at some of these uh, berry clusters where the berries are starting to fall off and the more left or uh, towards the center of the picture they do look a lot like um, the vein venous capillaries. So there's a lot of um, signatures for the blood, the movement of the blood. It's kind of hard to be like, where, where can we talk about elder in the Zodiac? Cause we could put it in a lot of places, but it really does have Saturnian qualities to it. Um, one of the things that uh, um, you might notice if you ever work with elder is that you can easily break a branch branch off and you can even a lot of them are hollow michelle mentioned this yesterday on her show that um, you can see through a lot of these branches they've been um people will whittle them into flutes pan flutes they make great wands actually and just think about how cool that sounds an elder wand yeah an elder wand (laughs) i have some friends that used to uh, have an elderberry farm and you know you have to basically cut down the plant every year Yep. And let it start over from the ground up and <laughs> the roots all stay alive down below. So you have, you just wind up with all this brush of this elder wood and they were making wands out of it. And uh, I, I wanted one, <laughs> but I've got elders in my backyard. So maybe I'll do something fun with the, uh, all that brush that I'll have whenever I cut them down before, you know, they come, start coming back to life for the spring. Yeah, I need yeah. to do that now. Actually, it'd be a if good you, time. It's very, it's very biblical in that if you trim it, trim it back, it will, it will be very abundant, and it will provide a lot, a lot more that way. It's really interesting how we. It's a, it's a good lesson in in um, restricting ourselves too. And there's this, there's a lot of Saturn aspects with that. Um, elder, great medicine. One of the best medicines there is for the immune system, for regulating the immune system, for regulating the uh, the bronchioles. Um, there's a lot of bronchial signatures here. Um, I love the esoteric side of elder. I love that it is a, um, in Celtic traditions, there are grandmothers that say, don't go by the elder tree to their, to their grandchildren because, uh, they know that it's a portal for 
the elves and for the fairies and for the underworld. And in fact, it really is boundary medicine in a lot of ways, because if you, if you see a farm or if you have a property built, elder likes to grow at the very edge. It likes to, if it's a, if it's in your yard chance, I'm, I'm guessing it's along yeah, in Missouri. It's on the sides of roads, it's on the which is the, the border or terminus between property lines usually. Yep. And it likes to grow. It likes to grow kind of by a ditch too. So there's this, you know, you have to, you have to go down to, to go up. And uh, there's a lot of Capricorn aspects to that too. Um, and um, so, yeah, just, it's, oh, gosh, somebody stop me because I, I'll talk about elder all night. Uh, <laughs> I just want to throw something out there that is like a perspective reframe for people that, you know, struggle with terminology, like immunity in case some of us don't really have the same uh, biological cosmology, <laughs> biocosmology. <laughs> yeah. nice and that's word. fine. But just think about what that word immunity, just break it apart. I'm unity, right? That's what it's really about. Immunity isn't really about like, Oh, there's the bad guys out there and I'm being protected from them. It's about getting all of your parts in working in harmonious order with one another. Hence the unity. I'm unity. You know, look at whenever we say immunity, just look at it that way. And you don't need to, it doesn't, not that anyone in the chat is being like that, but you know, people will hear it and they'll be like, but germs don't exist anymore. I like, I like pro microbial because so many, so many things have been branded antimicrobial, antimicrobial, this and antimicrobial. And, and, and a, a lot of times you'll find elder associated with that too. But I, I like pro microbial because um, I'm, you know, in that, in that vein of being like, let's just, let's talk about what we're for and, and we're not standing and we're not talking about what we're standing against. You know, we're not in opposition. Like I am unity. Um, I'm pro microbial. One thing that I just wanted to, before I hand the, the elder wand off to Michelle, um, I, I wanted to say that one of the stories uh, was that of Judas Iscariot hanging himself from an elder tree. And you see that symbolically with the, the um, elder fruits just hanging themselves as well. Um, so there you go. Elder that wand. is awesome. That is Very way cool. awesome. Super wow, 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 wow. I love that. Beautiful. I mean, you know, um, yeah, we do have a video if if we want to play the video. I think it's like two minutes or three minutes. Um. I, I'm good with that. That okay. sounds good. Let me cool. get it uh, queued up. Hold on. You, well, you talk. I'll queue it up. All right. And one of the things how Chance was saying, you know, people might say, oh, germs aren't real. So we don't need, you know, to take these remedies that will help our immune system. But, you know, even if you are a terrain theorist, it's like your immune system is still has so many important functions for you to detox. And so and that's why it's so important to, you know, not throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you may not think that you could get a sick from someone else. It's like, you know, all these medicines have such a, a grand purpose um, to just help keep our bodies strong because because our bodies, I believe, are meant to heal. Um, sometimes you need to boost, though. And elder is one of the greatest, you know, remedies for that, just to kind of like the protective aspect of it um, not only is an energetic thing, but it actually has physical, you know, it can physically protect the cells of the body and and things like that. So, yeah, the, the only kind of booster I would want would be an elderberry shot. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> which I take those often. <laughs> yes. 
But oh, I can okay. leave. I've almost got this thing. People, guys, keep keep uh, you know keep the train rolling. I've almost got this video. Um, so Elder is also uh, Saturnian in that you you think sometimes you might hear like elderberries are poisonous. Don't eat elderberries. And then you go to the store and it's like elderberry syrup. Drink a lot of elderberry syrup. And you're like, wait a second, isn't that what? What's the deal? And so that's a lot of aspect of the Saturn medicine too. Is that you need to prepare it. You need to change something about it too. So if you eat an elderberries right off the vine, actually, I wouldn't say they're poisonous. I would say their medicine of elder is that it could make you throw up. It's per it's purgative. <laughs> and so we could just have a little semantic uh, perspective changed in that um, elder. One of its uh, beneficial qualities is that it will help you throw up or eliminate um, bad food or um, bad spirits from your body, right? Um, and so, and even the bark of elder, even the leaf of elder has that purgative quality. However, if you boil them or drink them um, as a tea, then it, then it changes that and uh, uh, eliminates that. So if you're making elderberry syrup, you a lot of times you would cook the berries first or you would dry them and then cook them. Um, there's even a cool myth. Native American would, uh, take the bark, uh, if you scrape the bark upwards versus, or if you, if you harvest the bark by taking the bark and scraping it downwards, if you scrape it upwards, it'll have more of a vomiting purgative effect. And if you scrape the bark and drink it as a tea, uh, by harvesting it downwards, it's going to have more of a, um, laxative effect. And I thought that, Oh, that's brilliant. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Dude, awesome. And I love, uh, you mentioned the trench or ditch thing. I'm just curious if people, if they ever planted an elder tree, if they created artificial trenches or ditches, because one of the photos we saw, uh, it might even be in this video, but there's an elder tree within this kind of like little mounded container sort of circular thing. And uh, it just makes me wonder if people picked up on that. And so if they're going to harvest or, you know, plant a few trees or whatever, if they would kind of create that environment for them. I'm I, not sure if you ever saw that, that yesterday. And I was like, that's so cool because there's that, there's the um, realm, the, the passageway to the underworld again that you see. And, and it makes me yeah. wonder, does, does Elder over time, does it create that environment? Does it make those like rings of Saturn? Kind of protect oh, oh, that's a, really a great picture. thought. I hope that we see that in this video. Yeah, well. excellent thought, man. I've got it queued up. We're ready to go. Awesome. So, Enjoy this awesome collaboration from Michelle and Mario. For centuries, the elder tree has been known for its folklore, medicinal uses, and connection to the underworld. Its beautiful and kind presence is contrasted with many dark associations. Its ties to the devil, Saturn, and bountiful healing made it one of the most feared and revered trees in various folk traditions. This crone tree can offer wisdom to those who respect her and wickedness to those who don't. It's believed the spirit of an old witch inhabits the roots of the elder and permeates all parts of the tree. Known as the Elder Mother, it's advised to ask this wise woman for permission before any part of the tree is harvested. If this is ignored, it's believed ill will and misfortune will come to the harvester. The Elder is known as a gateway to the underworld, magical realms, and is a tree of the Fae. It's said if one sleeps under an Elder, they'll experience prophetic dreams. Sometimes known as witch's wood, branches of elder were used as broomsticks in Ireland. Hollowed stems of elder have been used as billows to stoke fires, communicate with the spirit world, and were fashioned into whistles, flutes, and panpipes. From under the witching tree, Corinne Boyer writes, 
Elderwood was historically used for protection, exercising illness, and for spirit conjuration. The protective nature of this tree speaks to its ruling planet of Saturn, which governs limitations and boundaries. Elder was often grown around or fashioned into fencing to enclose land and protect the home against witchcraft, lightning, and flies. It's sometimes planted in cemeteries and used to adorn gravesites to guard the dead. It was also said that elder twigs tied into a series of knots and carried in one's pocket can be used as a protective charm against rheumatism. Saturn's influence is also showcased in the physical growth of the tree. Observers notice that when older branches or bunches of berries slump towards the ground, it resembles the arc in the glyph of Saturn or the blade of a scythe, one of the symbols of Saturn. This visual association can be explained by a theory known as the Doctrine of Signatures. The idea of macrocosm and microcosm, galaxy to flower, mirroring one another, is the true essence of the doctrine of signatures. This concept also illuminates elders' medicinal uses. Every part of the tree has curative properties, yet the blossoms and berries are most commonly used today. The dark purple berries and hollow stems indicate its affinity for the blood and all tubular parts of the body. Traditionally, elderberries have been used to stimulate the flow of stagnant bodily fluids, reduce inflammation, and rejuvenate one's vital life force. The berries are believed to provide a protective barrier around the body's cells, nourish the immune system, and aid the detoxification process. During times of trauma and loss, elder has been used to lift grief, protect one's spirit, and assist in setting healthy boundaries, all of which correspond to the watchfulness of Saturn. Yeah, that's an amazing, first of all, amazing video. Awesome. <laughs> you guys Great are so good. music. That was all so fun. Yeah, it made it all very festive. But then it <laughs> made me think of how that downward pushing force buries and burying something and barriers Ooh. for the, you know, the terminal aspect. It may Excellent. be that elderberry is literally the OG berry. It's the most berry of all berries. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it could be, yeah, because they would use it for to make wine and mead and, you know, all sorts of stuff. The your syrup. mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. This is so packed, guys. Oh, my gosh. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. <laughs> okay, Judas. I, there's so much here. There's so much here. Judas hanging oh, himself from an. Again. Yes. <laughs> Judas hanging himself from an elderberry tree. He did it over a graveyard where they bury people. There it is. Nice, right? Also, and he, like um, you know, he crossed the boundary. A barrier. Not to be crossed. He was a be a betrayer. Totally. Sounds almost like Barry, too. So, uh, in Ophiuchus has the, you know, the uh, asterism of a, of a coffin. Looks just like a coffin inside the Ophiuchus constellation. Um, which this syrup is really good for if you're coffin. If you're coffin, it's coffin. <laughs> Holy shit, y'all. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Excuse my language. Oh, no, holy cow. Um. Oh, I have so much in mind. Okay, so. Yeah, uh, nice. Yeah, Kyle's elderberry syrup is the best <laughs> I've ever had. Nailing my coffin. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> the clever names he gives the. I know, you, you're the best at naming your products. <laughs> and get, guess what? The anagram I pulled out of Elder Riddle. R E D E L Riddle. 
so we're we're riddling out all of the metaphors in the all of the re- revelation of this of this berry. This is so wild. So on the Thoth Fool card, let's see if I can get it. Look at that, looking like some elderberries, and now look at what's hanging around his neck. The stem of the elderberry is hanging around his neck. This is the fool card like Judas when he he jumps off the cliff to hang himself. He's hanging from the elderberry stem right there. And look how the whole string is set up so when it snap when it hits taunt it'll snap his neck is the plan. So this is uh I've always put um I like my fool card in as representing Ophiuchus uh oftentimes. This one in particular, I think the old Rider Waite is more uh, Orion oriented. I think this one is an Ophiuchus fool card, uh, but that is but so amazing. Did you have three fools or no? It's three magicians, right? I mixed mm-hmm. that up. Yep. Delete that statement. Just continue, Gabriel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, stem, the stem is the journey. That's like the that's the hollow part. That's the journey part. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Wow! What fun! What fun! And then another. So when I saw the riddle of Elder. And then you connected it to Judas. I just had a little fun with it. Uh, this is just, this is like a wild side weave, but uh, Judas is an anagram for like Sadhu. And this is interesting because of Diogenes was, his name means dog. It relates to Cerberus. Uh, Diogenes was a philosopher who was like masturbating in public. He was like the all-time rebel, scapegoat philosopher. Uh, and there's a theory that he was a sadhu, that he was a, 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 a mystic of the East, a sadhu baba, uh, maybe more Indian than most people appreciate. So, yeah, maybe we oh, found the debauchery. Right, right. And the riddles, you know, those sadhus, they hide a lot of knowledge in riddles. This is fun. That was so wasn't much the, fun. Wasn't the antagonist in, of the Elder Wand in Harry Potter named Tom Riddle? Yes. Isn't that his name? Voldemort? Really? Yeah, and he used what? the Elder Wand, yeah. Oh, right? He used the Elder Wand, yeah. <laughs> okay, now, just to throw it out there, speculation on speculation here, but what if it's not really Hollywood? What if it's the hollow wood? Uh, and what if whoa. it's a what if it's a curveball? I like and that. The, and the real magic is here in the Elder. Bro, that is very fascinating. I, I really like that, and you know, uh, perhaps we can get into it another time, but you know, the people of Israel, I, I believe are people of the pole. And so, uh, the pole also contains a hole, you know what I mean? Uh, anyways, there's a lot to get into with that, but that, that's very intriguing, man. Poles and holes all the way down y'all. Yeah. And, uh, I, this is like off the top of my head, but I could find the reference if I needed to, but that I believe it's the Phoenicians that actually called Saturn, when it was a name for the sun, the, an alternate name for it was Israel. And uh, the Israelites right. were, was the whole sky, like all the constellations. Nice. I just have to say, it's well known uh, that there is apparently a hexagon on top of Saturn, which is basically, you know, the six-pointed star, right? So yep. the cube and everything else. So there's all of that as well. I got a question. Is Elderberry even in Europe? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's native. Yeah, sure. Very abundant here. Yep. Is it more northern? 
Um, I'm in I'm in Italy right now, and it's just there's elderberries everywhere. Okay, and okay. So it's it's a a very temperate plant. Like it'll grow in in a lot of areas. Okay, yeah, it cool, can cool. handle a really harsh winter and come back with a vengeance when it's time. Nice man, power weave, y'all, power weave right there. <laughs> I knew I knew the elder always brings it, man, always. <laughs> <laughs> Deep wisdom. That's what's going on. We got to riddle out the whole elder wand aspect of uh, Hollywood or Hollywood, because I think the I way think that all that just something. lined up. Yeah. It feels like there's a there there. Yep. Well, we'll power through. We got Datura and I think one more after that. So this has been quite a profitable uh, collaboration, everybody. Thank you. And we kind of talked about the nightshades, but this is a more specific uh, slide on Datura. Yeah, we can go through it kind of quickly just because we talked about the nightshade. So we can't, we know that they are, you know, they can alter our consciousness. The uh, witches of old use them in flying ointments and all these things. But Datura specifically, um, I did see that uh, Gordy mentioned this in the chat, but it is one of the flowers that blooms at night. Um, and from growing this and having the experience, I just wanted to share this this quick story about it. So when we got our Datura, um, I had it out in front, like on our back porch or whatever. And there's a certain moth. It's called the Sphinx moth that is attracted to Datura. Now we've never, I've never seen this moth before, but when I was growing Datura, it was around and it was one night it was on our screen door and I'm like, oh my God, it's the Sphinx moth. And it's coming right at the time when the detour is going to start to open. And then our neighbor saw the same moth down in our garden and we had never seen them before until the detura came. And so anyway, there's all this folklore surrounding the detura and this moth um, and that it actually will pollinate. Um, hummingbirds love detura as well. Um, it really and so- supports the idea that the... Um- thing the life forms emerge into the environment when the conditions are right for them totally and mario and i were talking about that the other night because i brought up this whole weave and i reminded him of the story and we were talking about that i'm just like what i mean this moth just kind of came out of nowhere sort of um and yeah so this i have a special connection with this plant um for those reasons just that alone um is really special and um it has there you go and see, yep, it comes in with its that long tongue. That proboscis is huge. It is. It's It's actually, when I remember talking to our neighbor when she saw it for the first time, she was like, she was kind of freaked out because she was just like, this thing had a huge tongue and it just was like waving around and everything else. And so it, it's How very, cool. it's super cool. It was really cool to just be in its presence. It just, it was, it was pretty magical. Um, and, uh, you know, in low doses, it's great for asthma and respiratory disorders. It's great for spasms, um, people with Parkinson's disease, again, very, very, very low doses. Um, uh, also, uh, psychopomp energy here because it is a plant that's known to help people travel um, back and forth between worlds. Uh, communication is a big thing. Um, this plant, I think, if there's, a, I think there might be a slide next um, after this one. Yep, uh, demonstrating the trumpet of this flower. This this species of datura, um, a lot of times, will do a double trumpet, like you see here. 
where there'll be a trumpet inside of a trumpet. Um, and then on the left-hand side, you see um, the seed pods here. And then the the one that's towards the back there is a little bit more thorny, and that's where it gets that um, that thorn apple name. So there's my little spiel on Detura. <laughs> I got some on Detura. Detura, um, Detour? Yeah, Detour, as in... Um, that was the first detour of Carlos Castaneda in uh, his, the teaching of Don Juan is working with uh, the Datura plant. So mm. that, if you remember that book, um, I, you know, I have an appreciation for this plant. I've never actually harvested it. I, I will, there's some that grow in the neighborhood and I'll go buy it when I'm like going to work in the morning and it's still in bloom and it has that, um, that night charm to it. Um, and I've kind of felt like because this plant has such a strong um, psychoactive presence that um, it really does kind of repel me. And it tells me like, you, you know, you don't, you stay away because you're not ready for me yet. And I, and I remember that kind of stuff from the Castaneda stuff. There's another name for this plant too. And it's Jimson weed, Jim, it looks like Jim's on weed, Jimson weed. And that <laughs> comes from a, the possibility that this plant was implicated in Jamestown, the mysterious the mysterious Jamestown. Where did everybody go? What did everybody, did they all go crazy? Were they eating Jamestown weed um, and having, you know, uh, evaporating or, uh, you know, being birthed into a different dimension or something like that? Um, just to reinforce that I also subscribe to the biological cosmology that, you know, um, conditions are, when the conditions are correct, that things will just um, appear. And um, so I think that's really cool because I think Jamestown and all of that uh, is very mysterious and that there are mysteries <clears throat> that maybe that is just mythological, but there are mysteries within um, nature itself that maybe they are, um, allegorizing something about the landscape or the plants or the area itself, and that this plant might be the key to those types of mysteries. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, here, here on that one for sure. And this contains scopolamine, so it um, there you go with the psychoactive properties of it, and, and that being, you know, that's is the it, truth serum. Totally, the devil's exactly. breath. Yep. Totally. And that's also, uh, you know, it'll, it can like make someone, isn't it like there's like a zombie sort of thing going on with it where if you'll take it, you'll actually be like walking through. You, you can control somebody and make them right. take all their money out of their ATM and stuff like that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yep. The, wa the walking dead. You're like, oh, you're there, but you're not there. You know, you look like you're there, but you're freaking not there. So yeah, the Hollywood version of this is like you get some scopolamine dust and you're like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> into somebody's face and then they do whatever you say. Exactly. Guys, this has got COVID written all over it. It's shaped like the artistic renditions of COVID. It brought out the truth. It brought the truth to the surface. Uh, respiratory. It's a respiratory. This thing has and humanity just got dragged through the nightmare of the soul this has covid all over it so you're <laughs> saying collectively humanity just went on a huge detour trip that's what i'm saying y'all that's what i'm saying <laughs> nice. this is amazing 
Oh, this plant is known as uh, uh, Mexican shamans will call it the uh, grandmother and they'll use it for journeying purposes. Wow. So this the, wisdom, thing just- the wisdom of a grandmother. So there's that other more Saturnian crone kind of energy going on. Oh, wow, man. Big respect. Big respect for that. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to carry forward and hit the final Capricorn herb that's been offered. Not the final one that might correlate into the Capricorn category, but the, you know, for this epic stream, we are, we're getting there. We have this all over. And I actually used to mistake it for elder because of how similar those berries look. Yeah, you better watch it. Uh, You'll notice the elder, the elders have what's called a quorum where they have this umbel like shape where they're all kind of attached to a central channel. And this one is more like the signature of the lymphatic system, which is uh, one of the great virtues of this plant and that it has these a central channel that allows all the other lymph node pockets to um, accumulate their fluids. And so that's what this plant is uh, primarily um, talked about in healing is that it's a very, 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 very potent, strong uh, lymphatic decongestor. Um, And um, so this is a poisonous plant. So you better watch out because if you uh, ingest the the seeds of this plant, it can be uh, fatal. But um, people will use the fruit and then they'll take the fruit and they'll crush it without uh, breaking apart the seeds and make uh, poke berry jam. Um, so, again, there's this there's the there's. Oh, yeah. And then the other thing I think about whenever I see this plant um, and I'm with my wife, uh, we think about this. I say poke. And then she goes, salad. And I go, Annie. And we do this little dance because we're we're talking about the Elvis song, you know, Poke Salad Annie. And or it's just an old it's an old southern blues song. It was made popular by Elvis. And um, and so the song is talks about like down in Louisiana. And that's where Family Fun Guy. What's up, y'all? There. There's a, that's the first line of the song and, and they're poor and they don't have any money and they don't have, uh, their crops aren't growing. So they have to go out to the boundary of the farm and get the poke and, uh, make a salad with it. Basically you're, you, um, it's a, it's a survival food in that you can, uh, boil the poke, um, leaf and, uh, change the water and then boil it again and change the water. And eventually you'll get like, what's kind of like the equivalent of cooked greens, but it's, it's gross. And uh, but it's nutritious and it's something that in the springtime you can do without it being poisonous. Um, and so I, I really like that. And the, I was just kind of in a personal weave for myself before I went on here. And I and I was like, Annie, hmm, poke. OK, so then I just I just did a, a, a quick Google search for myth, mythological Annie's. And I found about this um, um, this Anna, uh, Aunt Anna or Annis. Uh, or Agnes or Anna, Annie that was like a hag, a witch. And um, it's <laughs> the, the first thing that came to my mind is, I don't know if uh, maybe some of you Marvel demystifiers saw this, but the WandaVision, the, the antagonist in that show was named Agnes and her color spectrum was that of the poke. 
So I thought that was really cool. It's the it's a it's a witchy, it's a witchy um, berry. It's a witchy plant, um, and it's got all it's got all of the the marks of the Saturnian aspect with the the way that it works. But the way that I really like uh, working, Can with I, I want to just weigh in, dude. That's like Angraboda that was just brought up, or Angraboda. Yes, that's like Agni Buddha, and Agni <laughs> is. Igni, it's fire, but it also means like ram, as in like the sacrificial pure offering and not necessarily ram. So I bring that up just because the gender of the mediator character is fluid. And in some regions, you know, Buddha, Buddha, the father is, um, you know, has a daughter. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's Jupiter and Minerva as opposed to Jehovah and Jesus. And this, the mother is the son, you know, kind of the same way that Yadhe Vavhe can give you uh, YHVH or Eve, you know, it can be, it's both. It's a, uh, so anyway, that Angra, Angra Buddha <laughs> that was brought up, this is a similar character is what you're describing. Igni Agni, it's the Agnes Day, which is the, which is one of the Catholic names for the Christ. And just find that very interesting. Sweet. Me too, man. Um, for those interested in the medicine of poke, it's usually there's uh, Tommy Bass, who is a, a old time Alabama herbalist. He's passed away now, but he lived until um, recently and he, you know, he was like 90 years old. And so he, he connected a lot of the wisdom of the of the previous century with now. And he would say, you know, go out go out and eat a pokeberry on day one and spit out the seed. And then on day two, you eat two pokeberries. And on day three, three up to day 15, you're eating 15 pokeberries, spitting out the seed each time. And then on day 30, you've gone back to one. So you go up and you go back down. And this is a, a spring uh, or, or uh, not, a, not a spring cleanse, but it's like a fall cleanse. It's like uh, preparing your body uh, of removal of stuff. The way that I uh, will work with poke is I harvest the root. So it's a quite abundant plant. And I, I snuck it in at the end here because it's been all around. I see it all around um, here in Italy where I'm at now. And I don't see it very often where I'm where I live. And um, but I do I do have a, a little bit of the tincture of the root and a, a drop of the tincture is an active dose for um, stimulating the Qatar uh, cysting of like the super, super structured Qatar that gets in our lymphatic glands. And so if you feel your glands and they feel kind of hard all the time, um, that's an indication to poke them with something that's going to stimulate them. And, and, um, as opposed, and it's got that energy where it's like get to work as opposed to, uh, some of our other lymphatic, uh, helpers like, um, cleavers or things that are gentle. They're like, come with us, come with us. We'll, we'll be nice and gentle and we'll assist you. And the poke is like, you better get to work or I'm going to, or I'm going to poison you. And uh, so it really <laughs> is, it really is strong. Um, so, and then also a lot of times um, uh, women will, will use poke as a um, infused oil for their breast for massaging breast. And it has a lot of history with working with, um, you know, uh, mastitis and, um, uh, all forms of lymphatic congestion. Let me put it that way. Um, and I'm pointing to my glands here, but you know, you have glands in a lot of our crotches. Let me say, let me just say, uh, without having to visually show, but, um, armpits and whatnot too. So where the sun don't shine. 
That's mm-hmm. kind of yeah, dude, dude, I I really love the weave on uh, WandaVision there. Uh, it, it, you, I'm already like I'm ready to do an episode on let's get demystifying right now. <laughs> uh, you're so spot on with the color; it's like absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect color. Uh, you said her name was Agatha, the that other witch. No, it was it was it was An- An- it was Annie. Was poke salad Annie, but it was like uh, the the hag's name was like Agnes Annie. Agnes. And, yeah. Okay. But, so it, all, all derivatives of this like Celtic legend of a um, of a of a witch that had you know that's it's like the 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 Grim Reaper uh, that lives in the oak tree. You know, a lot of Capricorn kind of symbolism. Um, you you know. Uh, telling children you better watch out because if you misbehave, then this, then this, uh, um, this stereotype or archetypal um, force will, you know, take away your presence. Right. Like that. <laughs> uh, that, her character was always poking her nose in every time she was like, you know, she was like the the neighborhood nosy uh, character. You know, she was always poking in and turning up when she was least wanted. That's really good. I love that one. The Indian f- god of fires, Agni, Agnes, very interesting word. And uh was <laughs> just found out that it's also an acronym for the a growable network information system that I guess medical industry uses to share information about blood transplant like results oddly enough totally side tangent just look that's, that up gabriel you'll probably find something no idea yep. that's 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 pretty wild and that that character she was like you know always real sweet and nice and whatever but she had that dangerous side the betrayal side so it's it's fascinating that it has a poison component too that's pretty that's pretty strong weave yeah, yeah, this man. is a beautiful, beautiful weave all around. Definitely. I was so glad you put poke in there at the last minute because <laughs> I thought about poke. Do you use poke, Michelle? Do you work with that? I do. I like using the root, just like you were saying. And my experience is the same. One drop is plenty um, for boosting the, just stimulating the immune system. Um, I've had really great success with um, having like a tooth, either it was an infection or, a, you know, a toothache or something and taking poke root and that really helping with that. Also, just a quick little story. I had um, poke root jelly in the refrigerator. Um, this was years ago. And Mario's parents came to visit us. And uh, Mario's mom, she's like, oh, there's some jelly or whatever. And she pulled it out or whatever. And I didn't know it was the pokeberry jelly. And so she smeared all this pokeberry jelly on her toast and she ate her toast and then i looked on the counter and it was my the poke jelly I'm, oh uh, you put a lot on there oh my goodness you know and i was like all nervous and everything she, like and drunk she, on poke well she was fine and there was nothing i'm like tell me if your heart starts to like you know race or whatever because you can eat the poke jelly you know but you don't want to eat a lot of it right and she's like oh my god you tried to kill me <laughs> and everything else. it was like the first time they came to visit us and you know whatever i have a nice fond memory um of that with mario's mom i'm like oh it's the poke jelly it was all the way in the back too i'm like how did you even find that like i had it in a special area and anyway but 
there's my story with and your relationship has survived all these years <laughs> oh yes and it gets stronger by the day so yes that's right he loves <laughs> I, didn't, her. I didn't scare her <laughs> <laughs> uh, well guys i've had a lot of fun i think that we ought to close up shop it's been an awesome night i look forward to these it, while I have everybody gathered, I think if you, we're cool with it um, and we'll schedule it off the air, but I'd like to do this a little sooner than in a month. Thus to have, uh, you know, a little closer to the onset of Aquarius and thus the future episodes to be more at the beginning of the sign in terms of where they land in the, um, you know, the cycle versus the middle or the end. And that's just, you know, I think that sounds more fun. So we'll kick off Aquarius season. We'll probably do that in, Oh, maybe in three weeks instead of four and try to kind of move that back a little bit. And if you guys don't mind going around the horn and letting people know where they can find you, you know, we'll start with Mario and we'll go around clockwise. Right on. This was a great time. I am blessed, honestly, to know you guys and just to be here. Uh, Truly, you are all gems. And I, I really mean that. So this was a lot of fun. Kyle, thanks for showing up, dude, while you're traveling and all of that. So uh, you we started at 3 a.m. your time, right? That's the uh, witching hour. So just thought mm-hmm. I would point that out. <laughs> I've noticed so, his voice has gotten stronger the whole time, too, which is fun. <laughs> right. You know, working that throat chakra. Yep. I just oh. love having this space for, uh, you know, Kyle to drop all this knowledge on us. Michelle's got her healing home, but where's the typica new herbs cast, you know, <laughs> typica cast. Tippy right. <laughs> so uh anyway you guys can reach me at symbolicstudies.com i'm all over the place but this was fun thank you chance for having me uh until next time always a pleasure to have you brother yes and thank you guys again i feel the same way as mario i feel so grateful to just have you guys in my life and to be able to share all this information and to learn i learn so much every single time um always learning always growing and um it's beautiful to be able to share it with all y'all so um yeah you can find me michelleshealinghome.com uh michelle's uh, or the healing home podcast every tuesday at 4 p.m. pacific standard time uh this week uh this coming Tuesday on the 17th, I'll be having Andrea Crone, the cozy crone that most of you know her in the chats. Uh, so we're going to talk about just her mediumship and her um, her ancestral connection and how she was able to figure out um where she's from and why and how that has helped her grow as a person and um, her art. And we're just going to have flow and see where it goes. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, if you want any um, products or want to know what's going on, you can sign up for my newsletter um, at my website and you can always, always email me Michelle's healing home at gmail.com. That sounds like a fun stream. I have dabbled one time accidentally in mediumship and I'd be I've always wondered if like the way that it went for me is how is the typical way that it goes so curious to hear that story or those stories and yeah thank you Michelle and uh, people should sign up for your newsletter I highly encourage it I like it it's one of the few newsletter type things that isn't an auto delete <laughs> in <my laughs> That's inbox, nice. you know? <laughs> so thanks for that. Yeah, I try. I try and make it informative uh, for people and interesting. So, yes, thank you, Chance. And as always, thanks for having us on. This is great. Oh, I, the honor is all mine. I get to host all you geniuses. It's really cool that I 
I love my job. I'll just say that. <laughs> just ask Jennifer. I'm all the time. I'm just like, I have the best job. How come everybody doesn't do this job? Um, there was a, a stone toss meme that came out a couple, like a week ago. And it was, I showed it to my wife and it was, a the first panel was a guy sitting in front of a computer and he goes, I'm bored. And then the second panel is him sitting in front of a, a computer going, I'm going to go hang out with all my friends on this, uh, a podcast episode or whatever. And that's kind of how I feel. I'm really into uh, Michelle's podcast, I'm really into Chance's podcast. I really enjoy hanging out with uh, this community at large and uh, especially um, being able to have my face and uh, hang out with you guys. Now it's awesome. Um, I feel it's great to do these shows. I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Uh, Tippy Canoe Herbs, uh, just um, if you're interested in more about my con- kind of content and my work, I'm, I, I do a lot of classes. So you can, uh, I just put a whole bunch of them online, put some bigger year long courses. I put some, I, I do a lot of like in-person stuff because I really feel like that's where I, I get most of my mojo um, in person. But I have been thinking a lot about um, doing some audio stuff. It's, I got a lot of stuff to say. Um, so, uh, I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to be able to say some of these things with, uh, some of these great minds. It's really fun to weave these things together with y'all. So thank you so much to Appreciate y'all. Yeah, man. Big love, Kyle. I tell you, man, every time you tell stories, I say it, what I love is that it's all in the heat of the moment. I get so excited because it's like it dawns on me as you speak and I'm like taking notes. Don't forget that that made me think of this. And the connections are just so fun and invigorating. Yeah, I just love the vibes. Uh, and also, I want to um, point out that Michelle and Mario with your Kitchen Witch show. Uh, was that last night? Was that yesterday? Yeah. Did you get, yeah. I'm looking forward to going back. I've caught the first half. I'm looking forward to the second half. So I just wanted to shout that show out. You guys are doing an awesome job. Uh, and anybody who missed it, yeah, get over there and get some because that was that was a really good time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Slick Dissidents, my YouTube channel. I'm also with the Weaving Spiders Webs. You catch me with the one on one and the Rising from the Ashes. I just did a show with Topher. I'm looking forward to that. We had a great conversation. So yeah, I'm I'm getting around. How dare you, Topher, have Gabriel on before me? How That's dare awesome. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a really good time. We uh, we made some wild, wild connections. So yeah, nice. I love all of you so much. This is an absolute honor to be counted amongst you. I know I say it a lot, but I I mean it more and more every time. You know, I had this realization about giving thanks for meals the other night, and I guess this was last night. And the realization was. You know how it's more about the feeling than the words you say, right? Whenever you're giving a blessing of your food. But then I realized how like, you know, there's sometimes we're not sensitive enough or in tune enough or whatever to actually conjure the feelings of gratitude in our body, like the actual feeling of it in the body. And it reminded me of learning Qigong and how uh, the best approach that I could come up with was like, well, if I can't feel the energy, I should imagine what I think it would feel like. And then eventually doing the motions, which is kind of like speaking the words, I would start to feel it without having to like imagine what I think it should feel like. And in the same way, I realized that the every meal, every time I break bread, giving thanks, elaborate speeches, whatever, had gotten me to the point where 
as soon as I saw the food, I was just like feeling it in my body. The, all the words that I could come up with in the most poetic prayer of gratitude were encapsulated way more in just the feeling in my body. But it took that time of just saying it and saying it and saying it until one day it was just, I feel the gratitude. I don't have to say anything. I can just look at the food and be like, and just shoot all that gratitude right at it from the feeling level. So just in response to what you just said, Gabriel, everyone out there listening, never discount the power in the repetition of the ritual and ceremony of Mm. speaking your gratitude into the world. because. Every time you do it, it's another drop in the bucket of your film fullness that is the great fullness. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I pre- your witness, Gabriel, is so shiny and and uh I just I love your reactions to stuff. You you really bring the fun. So but thanks everybody. <laughs> just that's my last little vibrant for the night. And you know, and also I forgot to mention after Kyle gave that glowing endorsement of the tuning session that we did that people can catch a tuning with me by doing chance at interversepodcast.com, shoot an email to that address or go to my website and poke around and you'll find the sound healing tab. Um, you know, if you are, if you want to figure it out, you will figure it out, but there's a lot of ways to get in touch with, in touch with me for a tuning if you want to do it. And I'd love to work together nice. and we'll see everybody uh, Sunday night for the next interverse episode. We'll be premiering a fun one. And um, and then I think an open weave type of vibrant next week where we can let Gabriel just really go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to cook up all the special things. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fill that cup. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being here. See y'all later. Good That's night. Up. Much love.